and Snow, session 32. So when we last left our heroes, they had entered the Dolmen Wood, this strange, I suppose, demi-plane realm with this autumnal sort of springtime, sort of weird mix of like fairy forest. And they, when they entered, they came out of this strange doorway, this gate, a portal, if you will, of living trees. They eventually found their way to what appeared to be a large city with like a castle, Castle Brackenwald. And as they were sort of working their way around the outside, they found their way to the Poppycock Inn, which is owned by a wiry woman called One-Eyed Girl, has an eye patch, hence the name. And she has a, a young lad helping her run the tavern. They bartered for some rooms, a bit of food, drink, etc. And then they settled down for the evening. So. We basically pick up with you guys waking up the next morning. It's actually quite a sort of strange experience for you guys. Because you... Obviously, you're used to sleeping in like the cold of the Valcomian winter, covered in furs, trying to keep your body heating as best you can. And this morning, you wake up, you're in this lovely, pleasantly warm, temperate forest sort of area. You're in this comfortable inn. You're on these nice, soft, well, softish, sort of hay bales. The, the sunlight streaming through the small windows, these golden rays filtering through these little rays of warmth it's probably the first night well since you came to Valcona and certainly that you've like not had to sleep with like multiple animal furs on you just to get yourself to a comfortable temperature but you wake up the and you, and you've got your two rooms but you wake up in your various orders whatever you decide you, the the raucous din of the people who are drinking in the poppycock inn the night previous appears to have died down you can hear a bit of sort of low-level, like murmured conversation, presumably coming from like the main sort of bar slash in area. You can hear, you know, like the sound of the odd chair being scraped across the floor, or like glasses chinking together, that sort of thing. But you all wake up in the morning. Obviously, your your two rooms are opposite each other, so you've got easy access to each other. Over to you guys. Well, I assume that me and Lan will be up fairly early because we won't be used to this warm sort of weather and that. It'll probably have woken us up. Um, so yeah, we'll be... It's, it's actually quite difficult for you. It's obviously you guys both being ice walkers and you've been sort of like born and bred, so to speak, to like deal with the cold weather. You know, mm. you almost felt like a, a little bit sort of like naked or like unguarded as you slept because... You're that used to sleeping with all these furs on you and all, taking all these precautions so on the ice flows where your people live. They're just basically wearing like your underclothes and like sleeping with like a thin sheet on yourself on some straw seems like really weird to you. Yeah, I can. I imagine that Brock is probably sort of bare chested at the moment. He's just wearing wearing some sort of his normal sort of trousers and bare chested because he's just overheating almost constantly that, that, so, that's it. we've got land there applying like the baby oil like early in the morning <laughs> um, so yeah we'll be knocking on the door trying to get these these guys out Yep. so, so we can make a start so early morning we're talking about 
the equivalent of like 8 a.m. basically in the morning. You guys hear a on the door. Um, John, last, at the end of the last session, we did hear that there was a market in town, didn't we? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Cool. It was, um, it was a daily market, you were told. Yeah. Um, so uh, when Brock comes in, I will um, suggest that we should check out the market and see if um, try and get a sense of the land and see if how obvious it is that there is or isn't um, magic users and magic people and uh, users of the evil magics available um, which might give us some insight of how big a deal it is to be asking the questions that we kind of want to ask about centuries old sword um, so yeah it's, it's a bit obviously you can do that it's a bit of a strange experience when Brock first walks in because obviously you're used to see I mean he's a big lad anyway but like normally he looks even bigger because he's got like multiple like, layers of these big thick furs on Whereas now he's pretty much like wearing like the He-Man loincloth, uh, and like his his underclothes basically, you know, like as much as you can get away with while still being like reasonably respectable. But um, it's probably the first time you've seen him like not covered in snow and like wearing like the pelts of like a dozen different animals. Green, ice walkers—they're not really known for being like squeamish or having like mores about like th their bodies effectively so the, the ice walkers will be like oh it's hot i'm gonna take some of this off that's all it is yeah. they're, not, they're not they're not sort of prudish i suppose you could say yeah. but yeah you guys all convene like I say you can hear you presume the sort of minimal staff of the inn so like moving chairs and tables about and stuff like that presumably collecting glasses there's the odd chink of a tankard or whatever but you guys are free to discuss whatever you want no one's coming to like wake you up or arouse you you don't know whether they like they would do anyway because obviously you've paid for the rooms for like a fair bit but it's still fairly early in the morning like I say the sunlight's just filtering over the horizon and it's coming through the little windows in the inn but you're free to discuss whatever you want yeah, I'm keen to look for a map of the area, maybe at the market or something. So I'm, I'm keen to get on with the day. Yeah, it'd be good to um, start early, I think. I should be well rested after a good night's sleep. Hard to sleep in this heat. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's got its challenges, but yeah, you, you see, you see, Lan looks a bit sort of a, a bit sort of ill at ease, probably due to the the conditions. And she says, uh, "Yeah, she, it doesn't feel right with everything being so warm, and doesn't, doesn't feel natural." <clears throat> well, it's not, it's not natural, unfortunately, Lan. Just remember how we got here, and then Brock gets a bit of a sort of golem a gloom over his face. Because he sort of realises straight away, oh yeah, we're in this magic place. Oh, yeah. well, we certainly come through some magic doorway. She sort of put, puts a hand gently on your shoulder, but she she like frowns and like nods as well. And you, you because obviously you guys are pretty in tune now, and you sort of get the feeling that 
as you've said, remember how we came in. She's doing the same as you. Obviously, she's got the same sort of predilections against magic and sort of enchantments. And you can see that she's also obviously thinking, of, oh, yeah, we came through a magical doorway to get here. Not so keen on that. Mm. So that's why I'm keen to get on, do what we need to, and potentially get back. Well, let's go direct to the market and try and get some sense of the city. As you're saying that, from the from the direction of the bar, you hear a female voice, you recognise it as Gill's voice, the proprietor of the tavern. You hear her saying, well, there you go, just leave it on the bar, that'll be fine. And you hear like a, a murmured response from someone else, and then you hear like a of the door opening and shutting. And mm. there's a bit of general conversation going on. Yeah. Well, I assume we go out that way anyway to yep. to leave, so you can always have a look on the way past. As you're heading through, you see this tall, wiry woman with this eye patch over one eye, and you can see the the young lad, like Harold's, like cleaning down the tables with, like a rag and stuff like that. And uh, as she sees you walk in, she she like, looks up and holds her hand up and then says, uh, "Oh, did you have a good night's sleep? <clears throat> a little warm, but comfortable enough." It's warm. I thought it was. I thought it was a bit chilly last night. Uh, not from round these these parts. She, she she sort of like raises an eyebrow and says, "Well, well, no, I can I can tell that from your uh, from from your clothing when you got here." And she says, uh, "Get you a drink. I see you. You're off to be about your business. Get you a drink uh, at all. Uh, we've uh, we've just got a a bit of a rare consignment in a uh, moon's milk." She like taps like a very little like wooden barrel that's on the bar, and she says, "Oh, don't get much of this in from Orb Swallow." Do you, yeah. do they put put actual milk in it? She says, "Well, it's it's not technically milk. I don't think. Well, at least I don't think so." And she says, "Well, come come over and have a look. You can judge for yourself." And she like. She pretty much like pops the top off the uh, the barrel, and when you look into it, there's almost like a strange sort of like slightly sort of like I suppose the best way I can describe it is like a sort of sweet and sour like aroma that like comes out of it. And you look inside, and there is indeed like a sort of milky white liquid in it, and floating in it are these small round sort of like grape-like fruits. She says, uh, "Yeah, if you, if you want any, I'm afraid it's a, uh, I'm afraid it's two silver pieces. Like I said, we don't get much of it. Uh, the, uh, the the journey from Orb Swallows are a little bit on the dangerous side, so it's uh, a bit costly to get it in, if you know what I mean." Bandits on the road. She says, "Oh no, she says worse than that. She says, you have to go through Bog Barrow to get there." Oof. That's, that's yeah, you a, you wouldn't want to go there. She says, oh, no, definitely not. It's a nasty old place, that. Mm. You hear all sorts of, like, ghost stories and stuff like that coming out of the old barrows. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible, like, swampy, like, marshy area. Yeah, there's all manner of people supposed to have died and, like, disappeared and been, like, sucked down into the bog. And there's always somebody telling a story about, like, seeing a seeing a, a spectral spirit or, like, seeing a light that they think is, like, a, a village and then they, they go to go after the light and they, they find themselves sinking into the bog barrow. 
Yeah, no, that sounds like a, a challenge to move through. Truly. Um, <clears throat> uh, did, did we have, John, did we have any kind of breakfast here on offer? You've not been offered any specific breakfast. However, you were told that they did serve food in the morning. Yeah. So... Obviously, you can you can easily like, ask. For yeah, something. yeah, I'm I'm uh, contemplating currently, so I will ask. So, what what do you have for um, uh, for for a bit of bite to eat? Um, contemplating this or something else you might have. She says um, says well, I mean it's a little bit early, but I suppose we can rustle something up. Uh, yeah, we've um, we've got blood porridge. Do you a little bit of bubble and squeak? Uh, I think we've got a bit of fish's gruel left. We could do some of that. Um, if you, if you, you may be a, a little bit short of funds. You know, we can do a bit of a, we can do a bit of woad in the hole. What do we want? It'll be a long day, I think. How much blood is in the blood porridge? She says, she says, oh, don't worry, though. Don't worry, we don't skimp on it. There'll be, there'll be plenty of bloodworms in it. Don't you worry about it. <coughs> says, obviously, it's it's up to you whether you want them dead or still alive when they go in. You know, we can do either. Choice? Yes. I'll have the blood porridge. Yeah, sounds like it's got some protein to it all right that's uh two, two blood porridges uh anything else i can get you and she like, looks you, around the group you you said something about fish says oh yeah yeah uh so what fisher's gruel we call it it's there's not really any fish in it it's like um it's it's a bit like a sort of savory porridge but it's like cooked in like a fish stock you know made with the bones and stuff like that sure Ooh, I'll have one of them instead of blood porridge. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. That sounds so, uh, that sounds homey. Two fishes growing on a blood porridge, and she, oh, she, she like looks towards you, Quentin, and uh, says, "Oh, what about you?" I'm fine, thank you. Okay. So, so <laughs> I, I tell you what. Since you've booked for the rooms and everything, call, call it five silver pieces all in, and we'll call it a day. And then, she, as, as you're sort of like, without even like waiting to see whether you're going to give her the money, she sort of leans around and she's like. Harold, get, get yourself into the kitchen. We, we want a couple of fishers gruel and um, one of the one of the blood porridge. She looks back over to you, Brock. And she's like, do you want do you want the do you want the worms the blood worms live or? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be making this. <laughs> I think uh, I think my friends would prefer deceased blood worms. Yeah, and a, and a couple of um, a couple of bloodworm porridges. Um, bo- boil the worms before you put them in. Harold, there's a good lad, and he, you see this like sort of frizzy red-headed lad. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll get right on it." And he sort of hustles off into this little side room, and you get like pots and pans being moved around and stuff like that. A, a few minutes later, he comes back out. He brings these two fishes grill. Like I say, it's basically a, a sort of savoury like porridge slash like couscous sort of deal. And it's been cooked in like a fish stock. There's no actual fish in it. It's obviously a very, 
very sort of poor person's meal effectively but it's hearty enough it's filling you know sort of sticks to your ribs as the saying goes and then the this uh blood porridge is brought out and that's like an oat sort of porridge like a more traditional porridge and it has these like quite fat sort of like reddish worms it's like mixed in with it because of your request they're not like moving or wriggling about but they're like these big almost almost like sort of like long leeches these big fat sort of like red worms and that, that's put down he says oh yeah how much should i say ten, ten silver five we agreed on that's right five five it was yeah uh, and tell me, we're in the market for a guide who might help us through the city. Can you someone? She says, oh, well, I, I don't really know about uh, anyone who'd be available as a as an actual guide. Um, if it's like a map or something like that you're looking for, he says, uh, well, I think I've got an old, um, I think I've got an old, like, sketch map around there somewhere. I could probably... I'll probably let you have that for. Let's see, how much did I pay for it? I mean, yeah, call it, call it, twenty twenty gold coins, and we'll. I can let you have the map. It's. Although to be honest, it is a bit more of a general map of like the Dolman Wood rather than just like, Bracken Wood. So it depends what you're after. Uh, can we see it before we decide if we want to buy it? Yeah, yeah, sure. And she's, uh, she starts like, rummaging around under the bar. And I'm going to see if I can bring this up on the screen. So just give me a moment. I'm hoping you guys can see that. Yeah. And it's it's on like a bit of tatty old parchment. She she actually had it like rolled up and like stuffed in a bottle on like a little shelf under the um, the bar. She pulls it out, sort of like blows a little bit of dust off it, spreads it out on the bar in front of you, and she's like, "There you go." He says, that's us down there in the bottom right. Castle Bracken World, look. All right. Okay. And I'll give her the 20 gold for the map. That looks like it would be useful for us. Yep, she takes that and hands the map over to you. I will drop that into your inventory, Malcolm. So... Why do you think there's uh, three castles right next to each other here on the lower left? You wouldn't build castles like that in a war. Before a war, rather. But what goes further, what goes further to the west? Is that a, a, some sort of boundary to another realm or... Yes, as you guys are sort of like discussing this between yourself, uh, mm. Gil's just sort of like watching the conversation. She's doing a bit of cleaning of like tankards and whatever. And when you, when you mention another realm, she looks like a little bit confused, but she doesn't say anything. 
Yeah, sure. So as well, the well, I don't know about other realms, but uh, with with regards to the castle, well, it's because the um, it's because of the various lords that like uh, rule over different areas of the Dolmenwood. Yeah, so they 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 want to have a higher wall than the next one. Well, they 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 all have like their their sort of ancestral seats, you know. Mm. They all, and obviously, you know what these these nobles are like. They 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 all want to look like the most noble, like the most mm -hmm. in control. And he says, I mean, uh, I know at um, I know Lady Harrimore up in the uh, up in the north um, near. Uh, Near Fort Vulgar, I mean, I know she's got a big old uh, place, uh, Harrimore Keep, and then there's a, uh, then there's there's Lord Nodlock. He's got a he's got Nodding Castle. You can see that down there on the left. Mm. Are any of these lords like uh, learned scholars? He says, oh. Learned scholars, well, I, I don't know that I'd call them learned scholars. Um, I know that um, Lady Harrimore is, uh, and she's she's hosted a lot of like what you might call like intellectuals and stuff like that. I know, I know she's a big fan of the arts and you know men of learning. Whether she's learned herself, I don't, I don't really know. And are there any learned scholars in the city? She says, "Well, there's the um, well, there's the the college in in the city, obviously, and that's got a that's got a lot of very learned people at it. But uh, wh whether you'd get admittance to it, um, I don't know. I mean, they 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 call it the the College of Physics and Sorcerers, but uh, and apparently it's the only the only officially sanctioned college of such like in the land. But well, they don't." They don't really go mixing with common folk like me, so like whether you'd be mm. able to see them or whether they're even interested, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I've always thought of them. You know, I mean, they 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 get whatever they're doing there, like subbed by a uh, by by Lord Brackenwald. So they you very seldom see them out and about. To be honest, I and mean, pretty much what they want gets brought to them. So, uh, and whereabouts is the college? He's like, well, if you. If you head in through the if you head in through the silent gate, head down the head down the street you'll see in front of you, then take a right at the um the grand market. You'll see the grand market right in front of you. You can't miss it. It's like I say, it's the biggest market in these and she's she's basically sort of like sort of like pointing and gesturing and I'm gonna make a couple of these notes sort of like visible on the map. And she gives you very rough directions. So she's like, oh, you head down, head down the street. You see, like the Grand Market. Then turn right. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of inns on your way, but they're, they're not very good. But you, you go past them, keep going. You see this big old red building with a lot of like weird, like higgledy piggledy like towers on it. That, that's the College of Physics and Sorcerers. You can't miss it. Giant red building. Like I say, as to if how you'd even get an audience or get yourself in there, I don't know. I mean. I've got to admit, I'm not really a big fan of that sort of thing, to be honest. So I tend to keep well clear of that place. I always think, you know, putting putting that much putting that much magic in one place. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a good idea, to be honest. Or I can't say I'm keen. Hmm. 
No, doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, but we may stop by and see if there's someone there who can potentially help us. Um, and then I'm assuming we can see the cathedral from outside, or that we'd have seen it on the way through because it's massive. But yeah, and you're also you're also told someone mentioned that the cathedral was doing like a. I think it was the previous ah, yes. like a big sort of cere- open house ceremony was normally they're sort of quite closed off apart from to the congregation. Okay. So um and what can you tell me about the cathedral and uh is there a cardinal or a bishop or a brother or a father or a she says oh she says oh yeah there's a there's a great many uh priests there. We're, although it's a little bit more communal. I don't know that there's any like one priest in charge. I mean obviously as we all know and it's as, as, as any sort of science, but there's only one true God, and that's the center for his worship in, in Brackenwald. Like I said, they're, they're, they're pretty sort of private, they keep to themselves, but they do have like open services where anyone can come in, you know. I mean, they're, they're not quite so evangelical as some, like spreading their faith and whatever, which, which I can respect, you know, but the. If people are interested, I, I've never known them to turn anyone away, and I know they, they they quite often like give alms to the poor. You know, if someone needs needs a place to stay, you know, they're down on the luck, they'll like take them in and whatever, and it's part of their beliefs. Um, and then, uh, have you heard of the drone? At which point, as you say that, like this look of like absolute horror comes across her face, and she's like, oh, "You don't want to go like you don't want to go like mentioning them. If you if you if you mention their name, it like it brings their attention down on you." She says, "Oh no, we we, we refer to them as like the the forest priests or the hooded men. We don't say their name. Oh, okay, they they're a weird, wild folk. Oh, you may have such terrible things about them. What we're sacrificing." people and all sorts of like pagan carry on in the woods and stone altars covered in blood and always wandering around these hooded robes covering their faces up okay and are they near here or do you know do we do you know where they which part of the forest they are in well the way i hear it is i don't know if Sorry, obviously I've picked up on the fact that you're not from around here, but uh, I don't know how long you've been in in the Dharma Wood, but uh, there's there's lots of these like big like old stones that are like scattered throughout throughout the woods, and what I hear is that like the hooded men, they like watch over those stones and like protect them. And like all the sort of wilder places of the woods, you know, like the places off the beaten path that we tend not to go to, they protect those places. And when I say protect, I mean like protect, protect. I mean, like you know, people pe- people disappear if they get too close to like where they sort of tend to dwell. I couldn't tell you exactly where they are, but you know, from what the legends say, I mean, I, I can't say I've ever seen one myself, but. And what the legends say, if you're near one of these stones, you're never far away from one of them. But like I say, we 
they're, they're supposed to have all sorts of like strange abilities and like be able to like curse people and stuff like that. So like, that's why we, we don't even say their names. You know, you never know what you never know what sort of misfortune you might be calling down on yourself. Perhaps we will avoid them. So. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm only going on the old you know, stories like the, my, my granny used to tell me. But uh, apparently, they they used to be a lot more sort of common, like back in her day. But you know, we we rarely see them now. And like, whenever you do hear about them, it's always like, oh, someone's knows someone who saw them, or like their cousin knew someone who saw them. It's never like oh, someone bumping into one of them on the road or anything. So most, I mean, like I said, we're cautious about it, but. Mostly, as long as you stick to like stick to the paths, stick to the well-travelled areas, we can mostly avoid them, and that's the way I like it. Cool. Thank you very much. Now, am I getting you a drink of that uh, Moon's Milk, or...? I'm good with the Fisher's porridge stew thing. So. Oh, glad you're enjoying it. Maybe later. Oh yeah, well no, well you've, you've you've paid for the rooms for a week, so you're free to come and go mm. as you please. Of course. Mm. Unless I suppose the local connoisseurs dig in before we get back. But well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't guarantee how long we're going to have it for. Like I say, it's we've only got this one little barrel here, but uh, and it does tend to go pretty quickly. I mean. Say what you want for like the moss people, they they do make a nice brew. Moss people, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the 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 mosslings or moss dwarfs, as some people call them. Says so, yeah, they can they can be a bit irritating, especially the older ones. I mean, they they talk ever so slowly, but uh, and I I've got it. I'm glad I don't do the direct bargaining with them. Put it that way to get to get this. You know, we, we, we just buy it off someone who does. But, um, yeah, they, they always seem nice enough. I mean, we, we don't get many around here. They tend to sort of like stick to their own areas. They don't really come into the into like the, the, the towns and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, whenever you see the odd one, they're a little bit strange, but they they seem harmless enough. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, what's the little bits floating in there? That's like grapes. What's what's a grape? Um, it's like a very small fruit, oh, like a berry. Yeah, 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 like a large berry, I guess. All oh, right, okay. So as well, I uh, well, I don't. Know. I mean, they are some sort of fruit from from what I hear from my supplier, like the, the trader who brings it through. I don't know how true this is. He might just be angling for some more money. He's always trying to say how hard it is and trying to get his prices up a little bit. You, but you have to be a bit firm with him. But from yeah, he's what, going uphill both ways, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I see. I see. You know what I'm saying. But the from what I gather, all of their their brews that they're, they're produced naturally. They don't use um, stills or anything like that. It's all produced naturally. They apparently they they're, they're pretty good with like plants and like um, herbs and stuff like that. I gather that this is supposed to be like the sap or like the milk. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a gardener. 
of some sort of tree and like these are the fruits from the same tree that are sort of left in the the milk mm-hmm. and it like absorbs some of the flavor so the longer you leave it like the more flavor the the fruits have in it it's got a i mean i've tried it myself it's got like a it's a little bit difficult to describe it's got like a very like creamy it's almost milk like sort of flavor to it but there's like a bit of a sort of like sour not unpleasant but there's like a bit of like a sort of sour like twang to it afterwards and if you eat one of the fruits they've got a bit more of like the sourness to them so i think the two of them like the flavors sort of mixed together i said yeah i mean it's I'll be honest with you, it's not a terribly alcoholic drink, but, you know, it gives you, like, this nice sort of warm sort of, like, feeling, which I quite like. I mean, if it were, I'd, I'd drink it more often if it wasn't so difficult to get out of and so expensive, but uh, I have a little nip every now and again, but obviously most of it's got to go to the customers, you know. You've got to make a living, haven't you? Yeah. Speaking of, we should probably get going. Oh, yeah. Listen to me talking your ears off and keeping you here. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't let me keep you anymore, uh, and then she like shouts for Harold and like, starts cleaning away your bowls and shit like that. And you're just about to turn and potentially leave to go on your way when the door to the inn bursts open and a very dishevelled looking man who sort of like stumbles in as though he's just about to like collapse or fall over and he pretty much sort of like falls, half falls like onto the bar, sort of like grabbing hold of it with his hands, like sort of just next to where you guys are stood. And he's like, oh, drink. And he's like panting like he's really out of breath. He's like, oh, drink for, for the love of God, drink. At which point uh, Gil's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course she like pours like one of like slightly less expensive like ales and like pushes a tankard towards him. And he, picks it up like he's a starving man and it's the first food he's like seen in months. He grabs this tanker with both of his hands. You can see his hands are like shaking and he like picks it up and he pretty much like drains it in a one of those like foam dribbling down the side of his mouth around this tankard. And he like he sort of slams it back on the bar and he's like <sighs> And you see he's like he's taking like deep breaths, trying to get his breath back. Because you guys are like literally right next to him, you can see that as you sort of look over, he looks like absolutely exhausted. He's got like dark rings under his eyes. His eyes are bloodshot. You can see numerous sort of little abrasions where it looks like you know, like he's run through trees and like the branches are like <laughs> as he's run through. And as he sort of sat there, you can see like he's he's got like a bit of a sort of shake to him as though he's he, he basically looks as though he's about to collapse at any moment. He looks absolutely exhausted. And obviously, you guys have travelled through the Arctic wilderness, so you know what exhaustion looks like. Mm-hmm. I'll grab a chair and sort of push it under him, almost. He, he, he sort of slumps down it to me. He says, "Oh, th- thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. Oh, oh, just just need to just need to rest for a little bit. Just need to yeah, get my, get my breath back a little bit." You seem to uh, have been through. Some ordeal. He says, "Oh, he says, yeah, he says, uh, feel like I've been, I've been r- running all night. Oh, oh, I didn't think, didn't think my legs were gonna, were gonna last out. But uh, I, I, I was heading for, I was heading for Brackenwall, but I, 
I, I saw the inn and uh, I didn't think I'd make it all the way to, to the gate, so I, I, I came in here. Oh, and he, he seems like he grabs the tankard again and empties the last few like drops into his mouth and get like quickly refills. It. Don't even ask him about money; just quickly refills it and like, puts it on the thing. And he's like, as he drink, puts it down again. He, 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 he goes like that and then he take, takes out like a handful of like coins and. Like he doesn't even seem to count him. He's just like, and like drops him onto the the bar, and you see her sort of like girl like searches out a few of these coins, and they're also like dirty and like got mud on them. And she's like sorts the coins out and like pushes the rest over back towards him. What's um, unless they're too dirty to make it out? What's on the coins? Okay, they seem to have on one side they have like a a stylized uh, tree. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, conifer, have, leafy. It's a uh, deciduous. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it has like a, a stylized picture of a crown. And you can see like it's one of those crowns where you know like, where they have like the crown, and then there's like a the sort of like the um, the ball bit with like the cross on on top of it. I yeah, forget what yeah. it's called. It's one of yeah. those sorts of crowns. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I will make a mental note of this. The girls talk about it. She's like, "Oh, you're like you're about to collapse. Do you, do you need a room or something?" He's like, "Oh, well, I, I don't have much money." And she's like, well, "Well, we've we've got a couple of rooms that are empty at the minute. Like, at least go and get go and get like an hour or two sleep, and uh, we we can talk about money. And if you need like a longer term room, like when you've rested a bit, I mean, you you're no good to man the beast if you if you're just going to fall over." And, she's like, and then she's like, "Last to show, she's." Saying this is a joke, she's like, well, "The last thing I need is, is someone like dropping dead in my, in my, in my end." So, th- think of it as a favour to me if you, if you want. Just go go and have yourself a bit of a lie down. We'll talk about money and stuff later on. And he like uh, he starts to sort of get to his feet, like his legs almost give way, and he like almost sort of like falls over. She she sort of looks over to you guys, and she's like, "I'm really sorry to ask this, but would one of you like mind?" Helping him to one of the empty rooms. Like I, I don't want to pull. Yeah, I sort of pick him up with one arm under his one yeah, of his arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the shoulder. He, he's he's pretty scrawny and he's pretty light, so you have no problems like picking him up. And he's got like his arm around your shoulder and it, arm around your shoulder, and he's like he's sort of like thanking you, and he's like he's like oh th- 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 thank you, stranger, thank you. So, oh, to be honest, uh, and like. This is like as Brock's walking him away, so the rest of you just hear that bit as he's like trailing off. Obviously, Brock, yep. you hear the rest of his sort of like exhausted ramblings, and he's like, mm. "Oh, I've been running all night. Oh, I thought, I thought, damn sure those those elves were going to get me. Oh, I don't know how I give them the slip." Elves, you were running away from elves. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's my, my own fault. I, I, I shouldn't have gone off the paths, but uh, you know, t- times have been a bit hard. Uh, normally, I normally I try and make sure I'm I'm a hunter by trader. Normally, I make sure I'm I'm in before dark, like every other sensible person. But like I say, t- times have been hard. I decided to to push on a little bit more and like carry on doing a bit of hunting, see if I could get get a bit more meat for the uh, for the larder. And uh, I, I I must have got turned around or got lost somehow. I, I wandered into this bit of the woods uh, that, that I didn't recognise, and 
as I was wandering around, I, I found myself in this clearing and all these, there were like these weird like little, little lights sort of like glowing like golden lights, like just like floating around like fireflies in the, in the clearing. And I, I didn't really know what to make of him. He looked, he looked quite pretty. And I was just, I was just sort of looking at it, you know, sort of taking it all in thinking, all right, I'll, I'll call it a day. I've, I've got a few hairs and whatever. I'll call it a day. And, uh, well, then I heard this, uh, this uh, horn and these these elves came came out of nowhere riding on these great big bloody and he like sways a bit and you like have to like steady him riding on these great big bloody hounds they were like giant things and uh, they, they they laughing as they as they came out one of them blowing this big horn oh the laughter fair chilled me to the bone sir it did and then they they came after me on these these hounds and I didn't know what to do so I just ran and I ran and I ran I seemed to be running all night I, I don't even I don't know how I gave them the slip but at, at some point I lost them just so I was my legs were about to give out and then I, I, as, as the sun was coming up I, 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 I saw the inn and like with the last of my strength I sort of staggered and staggered through the door and that's when I I, I met yourself so I beg you begging your pardon it's, yeah, like, it's like bloody elves it's like everyone knows you can't trust the elves so I continued to escort him to this room, and uh, I said, what, what, what part of the wood was you in when you saw these elves? He says, oh, well, uh, he says, I, I, I don't rightly know exactly, because like I said, I'd got a bit turned around, but uh, I think based on where I uh, where I ran, because obviously I, I pretty much ran in a straight line, I, uh, I think it's probably uh, maybe a... A day or two away from here, uh, like to, to to the north. Mm. He says, "Yes, that that, that must be right." Because I, because uh, uh, as I was running back, I, I ran past the wench gate on my way back. And then uh, once I got to the wench gate, I I, I hit the uh, I, I hit the uh, the road, you know, the the horse eye road, and then then I, I I carried on south to towards Brackenwald, and well, you know the rest. Hmm. And you was on your own, was you? No others. Yeah, in yeah. Danger. The, yeah, I was on my own. I've just got like a, I've got like a little little place just off in the, uh, off in the woods. Uh, it's a, it, I suppose you might say it's a bit of a lonely life, but you know, I, I like it. No one bothers me. I don't bother anyone else. Uh, uh, I, I set up a few like traps, you know, catch a few hares, bit of, bit of rabbit, and uh, I, I mostly keep my nose clean and support myself like that. I mean, I, I don't take too much, but. Uh, yeah, he says, he says, oh, and then, worst of all, look to, to, to run into child stealers like that. <clears throat> no, nowhere seems safe nowadays. No, certainly not. <clears throat> so I'll um, I'll help him sort of get to his room, yeah. lay him down, and you, you find an empty room, you, you lay him down, and he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh. The, Thank you again, Stridge. I don't know how to thank you. He says, uh, "If I, if old, uh, if old Crump can ever do anything for you, just to, uh, just say the word." But like, before you say anything, he's like, "Yeah, uh, Crump." Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'll make my way back to the group. I'll okay. shut the door, obviously, behind me. And, yep. Um. You can hear him sort of snoring softly as you walk away. And I'll relay the information. Um, to the rest of the group that the elves to the north and he mentioned child 
um, sort of stealers or um, kidnappers, whatever, whatever term he used. Um, Gillows sort of still stood there. He says, oh, well, yeah, he'd mean the elves when he says that. Mm. So, um, yeah, make that as you want. And I'll obviously mention the clearing with the the uh, lights as well. But um, I'm intrigued to uh, speak to these moss, moss dwarfs again. They seem to be quite knowledgeable when we met them previously. Yeah, that is a, a fine place to start, I think. Malcolm? Quentin, any... Yeah, definitely a fine place to start. If we can find them. What is the name of your trader who brought you the milk? She says, "Oh, the uh, oh, the moon milk." She says, uh, mm. "says Oh, it's Samuel." All right. And do you know where we might find Samuel? She says, uh, "Well, see, he was only he was he was here not long ago, like this morning. So it'll probably he probably have gone to the to the market to do to do a bit of trading. I mean, I, I don't know to get around, but like I, I did a few like favors for him back in the day. So when he's coming into to Brackenwold." To like sell his wares, so to speak, he stops off here first. I slide him a couple of drinks and a bit of food, and in return, I get like the first look at what he's bringing in. You know, so I, I get a chance to like grab a few choice little bits like this, a uh, moon milk. But then after that, he normally takes the rest on to uh, to the uh, the market. Ooh, oh, we're going there anyway. So let us see if we can't find him. Yeah, yeah, we get a bit of a description of him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no problems. She says, Well you you, you tell him old uh, old Gil sent you and he'll he's he's a little bit gruff and like say he likes he likes his money a little bit too much for my liking, so don't don't let him gouge you for anything. We definitely won't. Okay. Let's get down to this market. Okay, no problem. So you guys presumably head towards like the nearest gate to get into the the walled town, which is the silent gate. So I'll just move you over there. There we go. Okay, so as you approach the silent gate, you can see it's this large stone gateway on either side of the stone gate are these quite large, I mean, we're talking like 10, 12 foot statues of like stone angels. They're sort of stood there with their hands held like that, a very peaceful, serene look on their faces that are lifted slightly up. Their, their, their wings, which are quite well carved, you can see all the feathers on the wings are like folded behind them and they're sort of stood there and they're in contemplation at the side of the gate. As you approach, you can see there appear to be like half a dozen of these like you presume like Brackenwald guards like you saw at the other gate and you see the gates are actually open there's like a few people like wandering in and out they're just sort of like watching people as they go in they don't really seem to be like stopping people in and questioning them or anything like that you sort of get the feeling that it's pretty common for people to be like coming and going through the gates I'm going to ask can one of you please roll me a d6 uh, 
nothing bad if you get a one or a two one of the guards is going to take a bit of an interest in you because you're like dressed in an uncommon fashion for the the area four okay yep so they're either busy or they they sort of don't remark on it and you just wander in you see a few of them sort of like looking you over as you walk in but they don't say anything and you head into the main sort of street there's like a little square as you walk in you can see another large statue in the sort of center of this little square as you head in it's like a it's like a sort of wide brick paved square and there's this iron statue it's obviously made out of iron of this a large sort of looming sort of strange like phantom like looking almost like spectral looking figure like a sort of ragged cloth hanging from it and then on either side it's flanked by another two of these like angelic looking figures there's like strange sort of like runes that aren't familiar to any of you like carved at the base of the statue and you can see a few sort of like people like you know look up at the statue and just like talking and going about their business but it's an it's an odd sort of juxtaposition. It's like so this this raggedy phantom looks quite foreboding and quite sort of sinister, whereas the the two angels, one on either side, again are very serene, very calm looking. But no, no one appears to be paying any particular mind. Are the locals? They're wandering around doing their thing. You say it's got the name there on the. It, ha- it has some strange runes carved on the on the base, but they're not. In a language that any of you are familiar with. Oh, okay. Uh, I can read any language, John. I was hoping someone might think of that. Okay, is that a is that a skill you have to roll or? Yes, mate. Okay, so you're gonna make a roll for that. Okay, so as you look at these runes, you're like, it looks a bit like some of like the the older languages I've seen. It's a bit different, but like you're not getting the full sort of scope and the nuance of the runes. But you can compare it to languages you know enough to sort of work out the basics. And it seems to you like these runes are are saying um, these are. these sort of angelic figures of the church or God or some sort of force of religion is like banishing and banishing evil or this evil presence from the, from the dolmen wood. And there's a word on there, which you think is a name based on how it's set up that says Atanui. You think it's a name due to how it's in the runes, but it doesn't. And you can see it's like under the ragged figure but the name obviously doesn't mean anything to you, but you know it's a name. Atanawi. As you're sort of saying that, one of the one of the locals just sort of milling around is a is a guy wearing uh, robes. Obviously, hears you say that, and he he sort of walks over and he says, uh, he says, oh. Ha! Huh. Scholar of the ancient ways, eh? Mostly languages. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a noble field and uh, no mistake, he says. Well, you sure, 
you're quite right uh, this uh, this shows the the alliance of the, the nobles and the and the church driving driving the nag lord and his forces back to the darker places of the dolmen wood i would say that this statue has definitely encompassed that he says yes well no 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 one's exactly sure about whether a tanway of course being the one of the many names of the nag lord but uh, no one's quite sure whether this this formless creature of chaos and he gestures at the raggedy phantom whether this represents a Tanui itself or whether one of his many chaotic offspring but it, it's 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 the statue's been here since uh, well since the the first alliance of the uh, of the church uh, the, the the nobles and the uh, the forest priests you know, dri driving winter out of the forest and all of that sort of thing. Yes, yes. Anyway, I can't stop around there. But uh, yes, uh, always a pleasure to see another, another man of learning in the city. Uh, have a pleasant day. And he sort of wanders back off into the ground. And you, sir. Okay, what do you guys want to do now? guess we continue on to the market taking any sights in as we might i recommend that we all you know change attire to blend at the minute we're a bit like sore thumbs what is the attire well generally you look around and see what people are wearing and then you buy something like that And how do we feel about leaving our things behind? Incorporate it in. Just don't look so foreign. Right. Yeah, I mean, Brock's quite happy to stand out. He ain't got a worry in that nature. To, to be fair, there is not an outfit you're going to find in here that is not going to make Brock stand out. Prisma, we're gonna get him a moo Because he, yeah, but Brock is like gigantic compared to like everyone else you've seen around. Yeah, I'm just gonna get him a poncho to wear. It'd be fine. It, it's yeah, but it's it's rather like uh, you know, like Arnie in the Conan films. Yeah, it, it it's like sort of draping a poncho over him, like taking him into like a modern day town and not expecting him to stand out. I thought it was yeah. the sort of pale skin that would stand out the most. Well, that as well, yeah. But anyway, even if it's just a layer of dirt, we'll think of something. That's true. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if anyone knows about disguising, yeah, it's okay, we'll put a pit of dirt on him and a bit of moss and say that he's a very large moss drawer. Yeah, that might get the wrong attention. Well, they seem to be okay with the moss drawers. Yeah, I mean, they seem friendly enough anyway. Anyway, um, at least for comfort, we probably want to look into some local wares. Yep, so, so you guys are having this conversation as you've like sort of continued towards the the market, which was where you were sort of heading originally. As you get there, you see the it opens up into this large sort of almost palatial sort of town square. 
you can see that by now, because we've been wandering around for like a, an hour or two, you can see that there's all these stalls set up, and it's effectively like, like 10 a.m. now. You can see there's all these stalls set up. There's, a, there's people selling all their wares, various herbs, beverages, weapons, armor, all manner of like equipment that you can think of. Uh, as you're sort of heading into the square, a man sort of heads past you and he's got a a large sort of dog on a lead and he's sort of like he's struggling a bit with it as it's like pulley it's like this huge like bulky sort of beast with like long shaggy fur and he's sort of like struggling to like rein it in and he's like whoa come on come on my beauty come on i'm less of it and he's like obviously like taking it towards the marketplace but he's like he's sort of struggling to keep it under control because it's, it's quite a big animal where are you bringing your dog? He says, "Oh, he says, uh, I'm taking it to taking it to market to sell it, sir." Ah, and how much are you looking to sell it for? He says, "Oh, well, this," and he sort of like pats the dog. He says, "Well, this is a Langston Mastiff, sir, purebred." He says, "Well, I should get at least fifty, sixty coin for it." Silver. <laughs> oh, you you insult me, sir! He says, "I did say this was a pure breed Langston Mastiff." He, he says, no, gold's the colour for that, sir. Gold. Aye. He says, now, now, don't, now, don't get me wrong. They can be a little bit headstrong. They're a bit difficult to train. But, oh, once, you, once you've got them, sir, you couldn't ask for a more loyal animal. Lay down its life for you, sir, this dog would. Well, well, once you trained it, obviously. Aye, okay. Like, oh, go on, steady on, my beauty. Um, can I give it some food? He's like, yeah, just be, just be careful. They've got quite sharp teeth. They get a bit excited when they see food. I don't want you losing a finger, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Uh, okay, so I would like to uh, feed the dog some food and try and win it as a pet. Okay, make your roll. Just remember, I think it's two d six. It is two d six, yeah. And you can have a plus one to your roll because you're feeding it food. Uh, 2d6. And you also get to add your charisma, I believe. Uh, yes, but I don't have any. So, <laughs> uh, do you remember offhand if high wins? It's it's eight or over is successful. Okay, so I have nine now. Yeah, uh, okay, so one. you... You, the animal's a little bit so a little bit snappy, not in a sort of mean way, but you know, like in a quite an excited sort of way. And you have to be like a little bit careful, like you said. But you've been forewarned. You feed it like some of the jerky out of your rations, and within a few minutes, it's quite happily like eating out of your hand. It's like licking your hand, like licks your face. And the the, the guy who's sort of holding the lead is, like, oh, see there. What did I tell you, sir? Look, he likes you already. He does. He does. Uh, Fifty goals. He says, yeah, that's the asking price, sir. Yeah, I'll take him. He, he, he sort of like holds his hand out. And I'll give him the 50 gold. And... He, he takes 50 gold and he like slaps the lead into your hand and he's like, well, there you go, sir. He's like, pleasure. Okay, does, like, does he have a name? He says, well, I mostly just call him Dog. It's up to you what you want to call him, sir. Says, I, 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 I breed him for selling, sir, not for, not yeah, for keeping. Yeah. Indeed. Well, 
Thank you very much. I've always wanted a what you said it was a Lancaster Mastiff. Langston Mastiff, sir, purebred. Langster Mastiff. Okay, so you now have this this large sort of black shaggy, I'd say sort of bull mastiff style. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. A large doge. Indeed. <laughs> cool. And yeah, obviously because you've uh, you bonded with it. You don't really need the lead. It's, it's all, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I mean, he's he's been struggling to get it to this thing, and you're like, oh, I fed it a few biscuits, and like it's like happy as Larry. It's like sat there wagging its tail, like tongue hanging out. <laughs> yeah, so I'll take the lead off it, and I'll have it follow me around. Yeah, look. No, no um, problems. You, you, you like sort of click your fingers every time, like, and it wanders at heel. Nice. But more importantly, what are you going to call your doge? Uh, I kind of think I might just call it dog. Nice. Okay with that, dog. Absolutely. Until it does, it has to air in its name. We'll call it dog until it does something. Okay. Obviously, I've got the stats for that. I haven't set a token up, but I will set you one up for next session. Oh, shit. Sure, yeah. There's no big deal. Just a... Uh... Cool. And then, like I say, you, you, this fellow heads off with his coins. Obviously, probably going to like rock into the nearest tavern and get himself a drink because he wasn't expecting to sell his dog quite so quickly. But um, he's happy as Larry. Like I say, you wander into this uh, this large, expansive marketplace, and it's just like a huge cobbled town square. All these stalls set up. There's pe- there's a hubbub of noise like. Like market traders are like sort of shouting about their wares and like trying to harangue customers into coming and buying off them. Locals are walking around, sort of like talking to each other and sort of saying hello to friends and like buying stuff. And the chink of coins as like bartering is going on. Hold on to your purses. It's pretty not a bad chap. Although well, I guess just... I have dog now to watch my back. Well, as you're looking around, you do. Again, notice there's quite a lot of these sort of like bracken walled guard are sort of like scattered around. Although, Quentin, you certainly pick up from the fact that the, like, the guards look fairly relaxed. They're not sort of like on alert. So, given the sort of arenas you move in, you probably guess that like, there's maybe not too much trouble here because like they're just sort of like looking around and sort of like, relaxing. They're not like, oh, we've got to be ready for like pickpockets any moment. Like, Get the get the swords and spears ready. They're just sort of like relaxing and chatting to like the locals and just occasionally like so. I want to have a look around, but everything seems quite peaceful. Seems quite nice. It's a little bit more active than the other parts of the city you've wandered through. You get the feeling that like it seems like a hub of like local sort of a town life. You know, like there's people here running buying stuff. They just like metal people here and they start chatting to them. If you wish to buy any equipment here, any like normal equipment that you can buy off the normal equipment lists for old school essentials is available here. That also includes metal armor. I was just going to say, John, <laughs> that, that that metal armor is available because obviously, obviously they're they're not like oh we best not make metal armor because we're living like the Arctic. 
they live in a nice balmy forest, so there is armor available. Uh, how much is like a local set of clothes? I, I would say, if you're just looking at like peasanty like gear, you could probably just like chuck one gold piece and get like enough for all of you. Okay. If you're just looking for like oh, just stuff we can like throw over, and it's just like simple like trousers and like shirt, that that won't cost you much. And I guess we probably also. Um, you might need to buy a couple and stitch them together for Brock, though. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, unless he's going to go like Lou Faringo on it, like. Um, so we'll do that, but I think we might also get some upmarket clothes that might help us fit in at the college. Um, so I guess like, I guess not quite noble, but like kind of high-end merchant clothing. Yeah, I would say, I mean, like I say, it's, it's not like high, high noble stuff, but like if you, I'd say maybe if you took like 20 gold pieces in, that'll sort you all out some like slightly more upmarket clothing. So like you say, people might think you're like a trader or like a merchant. You wouldn't be mistaken for a noble. But... Yeah. yeah. Don't don't worry about land and brock for that. We won't be going in there. You notice as you're sort of walking around, like quite a lot, there's quite a lot of sort of like glances being thrown like, yours and land's way like bro because obviously although you all sort of stand out a little bit because of your clothing but they say your pallid complexion obviously the, the the rippling muscles and being like eight foot tall and whatever as well like there's a lot of people sort of like looking over like obviously like not having seen anyone who looks like you before or lamb so there's a lot of people so no one really says anything no one's like oh my god let me, let me go over and like shake the hand of the giant man but uh there's a lot of people who sort of like look over, or like look curiously in your direction as you're sort of like wandering around. Yeah, I sort of smile if anyone looks sort of directly in my way. Has anyone copped that I look different? How are you? How are you attired when you first go in there? Because obviously we know you, we know you've got Alvin blood, but how prominent and how noticeable is your is your Alvin heritage? Um, so I guess I'd been wearing a hood because it must be wicked cold in Valconan and that probably hasn't changed um, but my face is tattooed I think as you're wandering around you probably see there's like there's a fair few other people I mean not, not saying tattoos but there's other people around with like tattoos I mean not so much the facial stuff but there's other people around with tattoos so you might get a couple of glances but like no one's like oh my lord it's an elf but yeah, there's probably a couple of people looking because of the tattoos and you're wearing a hood. But like, again, it's more just like slight curiosity, like with Brock and Lamb, rather than like yeah, anything yeah. you need to worry about. Okay. Obviously, well, if, you, keep... if you take your hood off and like the outfits come out, that might change. But yeah, yeah. well, I definitely won't be doing that anytime soon. Now the elves seem to be quite frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> that, guy, that last guy's reference. Cool. So I would also like to look for um, knowing a small bit about magic from my elven culture. I'm kind of looking for someone who's selling, like, I don't know, magic books or or, or like stationery type stuff, or anyone who might look like there might be like a uh, have magical connections. For want of a better expression. Okay. You, the nearest you find to 
I mean, it's not magic, but the nearest you find to anything magic is there's people selling like quills and scrolls and, you know, like empty sort of like journals for people to write stuff in. There's no like people selling actual like magic items or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you do see that um, a lot of the people who are selling like the scrolls and the most academic, I suppose, sort of inclined goods, they, they look like a little bit more well turned out. You see like quite a few of them appear to be wearing like fairly similar looking sort of like dark greenish robes with sort of like fancy golden embroidery on it okay so i'd like to approach one of them um and um as i just kind of start talking to them um i want what i want to say um are you Connected to the college, uh, he says. Uh, he says, "Oh yes, I'm a," uh, and, he, and he's like a fairly young man. He says, "He says, oh yes, um, I, I'm one of the, um, I'm one of the juniors at the the College of uh, Physics and Sorcerers. Oh. Uh, it it's part of the the duty of all of the all of the juniors that we we sell such items as these. And he gestures to the the scrolls and whatnot. But we sell such items as these to uh, to, to recoup some monies to." To pay for those uh, members of the college who are m- maybe struggling a little bit and to help with the upkeep of the building, etc. Okay. Uh, every 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 student of the college uh, does this on a market day. Okay. I mean, and he points out a few others with like similar robes on his eyes. You can see there's a few of us here this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and tell me, how hard is it to get into the college as a junior? He says, well, obviously you have to have a. A certain amount of um, talent, uh, whether that be of the the medical or the the more arcane variety. Uh, normally, you have to have a a letter of recommendation from someone in good standing. Um, obviously, the this reputation of the college rests on all of its students and their behaviour. So. You would need a letter of introduction from someone in good standing, either an existing uh, non-junior member of the college itself, or uh, a noble or someone of suitable of high standing, uh, and you would be expected to demonstrate that your talents are of a, a suitable level before one of the the masters of the college, before they would accept you in for a a, a sort of a a probationary period, during which you'd be expected to do things like this, like we're doing now, and. Uh, generally help support the the college after that you'll be moved on to your studies proper and you would you'll be entered into a a full curriculum i, I mean i can't tell you a great lot of details about that because i'm as you can see i'm a, a junior member i'm i'm hoping to start my my full curriculum and my full training soon um but i've uh, i've spent the last few months uh, doing this and you know helping out you know with the maintenance around the college and stuff like that and tell me, if you were trying to solve a magical mystery, which of the masters would be best placed to assist? He says, "Oh well, it would uh, it would depend entirely upon the nature of the, uh, the, the the magical mystery." You see, each of when you when you start off in the uh, in the college, you have like a, a general sort of a education at the start. Then, as you progress and you become more senior you start to specialise in your particular area of interest. So all of the masters, they have their own area 
that they they specialize in and they tend to sort of stay out of each other's way i suppose in, in academic terms mm. yeah it would depend on the nature of the uh, the magical mysteries really indeed and tell me if i was looking for a a, a magical artifact which master would be most helpful he says, "Oh well, if you're if you're looking for a magical artifact, you're you're probably at Ron the College. You're probably actually better to go to the Enchanters Guild House. Okay, that they'd probably be able to help you with that." And he says, uh, "He says, strictly speaking, the, the the College of Sorcerers and Physics is a more of an educational facility. Uh, the the Enchanters Guild House is the only commercial guild of a arcanist." He says. Uh, and he sort of like points over to the west, and he says, "You see that, uh, you see that strange building over there? It looks like someone's jumbled together several buildings and just sort of like crammed them into one without any any thought or sort of plan for it." He says that that that's that's the Enchanters Guild House. Okay, and tell me, um, if I'm looking for a a the history of a particular enchanted item. Is that the Enchanter's Guild, or do you think that that might be one of the masters of the college? He says, I, I certainly think you'd probably be better with the, the Enchanter's Guild house for that. Okay. Well, we can certainly try that first. Um, and I will throw him a gold coin and be about my business. Okay. He, he, he takes a gold coin. He's like, "Oh, thank you very much." And he, uh, he sort of goes on his way. And hopefully, if my uh, thing has stopped shitting the bed, there we go. I've just number twelve on the map is the Enchanter's Guildhouse. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything else in the market that stands out as being like unusual? Unusual. Yeah. Okay. So. As you're looking around, like I said, most of it's fairly common. You've got obviously some of the meth, some of the stuff that's common gear in like standard sort of old school essentials worlds, but that wouldn't be in Valconan. It's probably a little bit new to you, like metal armor and stuff like that. Um, you also see that, oddly enough, there seems to be a roaring trade in um, iron weapons, like weapons specifically made out of iron. There's also uh, there's there's a lot of people selling like various hounds, dogs, stuff like that. Uh, there's various beverages, spirits, wines, etc. on offer, food, stuff like that. There's people selling pipe weeds, mushrooms, herbs. Is there anything that we might associate with moss dwarfs? Romy D six and Tom Wiegel. Um. A five. Okay, as you look around, you do actually see that there's a sort of tucked away in like a little stall, which appears to be like a sort of bric-a-brac sort of stall with like no real theme. You do actually see there's what appears to be a a sort of suit of armour. And at first you're like, oh, it's some sort of like leather armour. But then if you happen to like wander closer and have a look at it, you can see that it actually appears to be made out of like pine cones. But they're sort of like threaded and woven together over this like inner sort of cloth garment. The the sort of middle aged woman who's running the store says, "Oh, yeah, t- taking a fancy to the pine cone armor, have you, sir?" 
I don't know if it'll fit you, sir. It's made made for fellas a little bit smaller than you, if you know what I mean. I was I was just interested. Strapping lad like yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much call for uh, such armor, but um, I was interested in where you might have got that from. It's certainly unique. She says, she says, oh, it's uh, it's from Orb Swallow, sir. One of the uh, last time, one of the uh, the Moss Dwarfs from Orb Swallow was here and he passed through, got himself into a spot of bother. Didn't have any, didn't have any currency on him. Um, he was wearing, he was wearing this, you see here, sir. And uh, well, I, I I bought it off him. Actually, gave him a bit more than it's probably worth, to be honest. But I bought it off him, you know, just to help him out. Really, gave him the money, so he had the money to like get his supplies and whatever. And I, I don't know what happened to him after that, to be honest. But probably went back to Orb Swallow. The Orb Swallow has a lot of these moss dwarfs, is it? Sorry, <laughs> it should do. It's one of their towns. Sir. Oh. Oh, yeah, obviously. Uh, I'm not from around these parts, as you might have gathered. Oh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen anyone quite as, uh, quite, quite as pale looking as yourself, sir. Oh, you, you were, uh, you look like. Oh, what, what do they used to call it back in the legends? Snow. You, you're the colour of snow. Yeah, it's a bit colder where where I come from. So, uh, yeah, but it's very interesting. Ooh. Don't mind me asking, sir, where, where, whereabouts are you from? Uh, so I'll just give her the direction, which is like northwest, isn't it? Yeah. I'll just say far to the northwest. She's like, oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard the northern lands get a bit cold. Mm. Yes, certainly do. Yeah, I think you're better to stay here. It's quite nice. She's nice like, and oh, comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite comfortable here. I'm not saying I'm making, I'm making a killing, sir, but you know... I make enough to see me by, and well, it's it's nice, you know. You meet a lot of interesting people passing through here, you know. So it's nice to chat to folk. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little stand you got. Um, like you say, not really for me, unfortunately. So, so well, maybe I've got, maybe I've got some out you. You might be interested in. So, roll me a D one hundred, Rock. And tell me what you get. Uh, D one hundred. Yeah. Uh, Sixty. Okay. So let me just consult my table. Okay, so she pulls out a what appears to be like a small it almost looks like a lump of coal at first, like a little sort of black stone. But it's like it's mostly rounded, but there's like a slight point on one end of it. And she says says, Oh, have a look at this then too. And she like she puts it on the table, and she like spins it round. And at first it's just like spin around. Then as it slows down, it stops, and you notice like the point of it is pointing towards where the sun is. And she's like, "Oh, God, give it a go yourself, sir." Hey, I'll uh, yeah, give it a bit of a spin. You spin it again, and as it comes to a stop again, the point is like pointing at the sun. Said, don't matter how you uh, how many times you spin it, sir, always stops with a point towards the sun. Ain't that something? Um Okay, that is quite unusual. Oh yeah, um, we we'll, we'll, so we get we get all sorts coming through through Brackenwald and like quite a lot of them, you know, they they've got stuff to sell or they found stuff in the woods 
and they, they want to sell it and well, some of it I, I buy up and I pass along to other people. Hmm. I shall uh, I shall call Malcolm over and show him that as a thing of interest. Yeah, so Brock, but, Brock calls you over, Malcolm shows you this like, stone that always points towards the sun. And where did you find such a stone? <clears throat> she said, oh, let's see, it was a it was a fellow a while back here. I forget where, I forget exactly where he said he found it, but he was uh, he, he was farming some of the fields around that Brackhorn. He got churned up when he was uh, when he was like ploughing his field. And uh, first he said it was just a stone, but when he like threw it down, he noticed that it like the point pointed towards the sun. He tried it a few times, and then when he came in to like sell some of his other, his other stuff, he bought it with him. So I like, showed it off to a few people, and like, I made him an offer. The rest is history. And I don't, I don't know what it good it would do anyone but I thought it was interesting yeah I'm not sure what its purpose would be <laughs> oh, you, you've got me sir I'm, I'm a simple market salesman I guess uh, if it's early in the morning or late at night you'd get a direction from it if the sun always rises and falls in the same or it's all on the ground hmm. yeah. And tell me, how much is the stone? She says, oh, well, I'll let you have it for a gold piece, sir. So. Well, for that price, it seems like, the no- for a novelty, I'll buy it for my friend. Yep. You, you hand her a gold piece, and she's like, oh, that's a, that's a funny-looking coin, sir, and I've never seen one like that before. And she like, gives it the old. She's like, oh, that's the finest gold. She says, oh, yes, yeah, it seems all right. I've just never seen a... Never seen a design like this before, but well, right you are, so she like slides a stone towards you and feel free to add it to your carrot sheet. You've got a stone that always points towards the sun. Yes, it would give you a direction underground, like you say. Yeah. If nothing else. And do we, since uh, Malcolm's here, can I have a look at the map and see if that location's on the map? These moss dwarfs. Oh, Orb Swallow? Hmm. Yeah, that's just north of us, just north of where we are. Oh, that's, that's cool. Okay. But we have to pass through. That's where she said we had to pass through something scary to get there. So I think we should find Samuel and work out what's between here and there. I see it. Yeah, okay. Okay, we we head into the Enchanters, are we? Exactly. Uh, let's try to find Samuel first, I think. Oh, yeah, Samuel. Okay, so yeah, it, it takes you... You spent an hour like, muddling around doing that sort of stuff. It probably would take you maybe another hour to find him, so you'd be on sort of like, midday. Whilst you guys, those guys have been doing that, Weimar and uh, Quentin, what are you up to in the marketplace? Armor. armor. Do we have an armor? That there is a guy, a, a smith, you might call him, selling uh, armor. What sort of armor are you looking for? Does he make the plates? Do, do, are you asking if he makes like suits of plate mail? Yeah, he does indeed. For the princely cost of sixty gold pieces. Yeah, I was. Um, uh, I was looking to get one of those, and I will. 
offer him a um, a carnelian in uh, in trade, and I will in fact ask for a bit of gold back if he has any for it. For it is a one hundred gold piece. Yeah, that's, that's that's fine. Deduct that off your character sheet. He can he gives you the gold back. That's fine. Yeah, gives you so, the change. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick um, some plate on your uh, sheet. Yeah. And then I wanted to go and um, as you do, like when you're first in town, like the first morning, you go to the market, you buy plate mail, then you buy holy water and garlic immediately afterwards for later. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't do that? Yeah. So that that's what I'll do <laughs> with the rest of my Carnelian funds. Okay. Standard I'll, procedure. I put, put the plate on your things. You should be able to like equip that if you're not like, Yeah, you're let me... Let me go and, and see about that. Could be a place to find garlic, certainly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, we need to load up on this and dry it, maybe powder some. Imagine having uh, powdered garlic sort of Gun pouches. Powder. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Like grenades. Shoot it. I, I love um, the fact that you guys are like, oh yeah, we, we, we'll get it. We're going to buy these enchanting. We need to find like, enchanted things. And one was like, I need armor. I need garlic. Lots of garlic. Rub the garlic into my plate mail. Yeah. I'll, I'll make the, 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 the fucking the garlic mail. Um, the, the underlayers. Just, it's just garlic. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, garlic's readily available. It's like five gold pieces a bushel. Yeah. So pretty much buy as much of that as you want. Yeah. So I'll do they. It's probably not going to market though, but I will pop by the cathedral and see about some water that has perhaps been blessed. There is. Well, you're just going to wander down to the cathedral. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, No problems. That's absolutely fine. During our four after you've like played Tom and yourself. Um, This is this is this is afterwards. Okay, no problem. So you've full plated up. You, yeah. You strut down to the cathedral. You see a lot of uh, a lot of robed like priests. You know, wearing sort of like light whitey green, sort of minty green like robes. They're also wandering around. You can hear the sound of like choral singing inside. There's people going in, coming out. You can hear like prayers being said, etc. As you head in, there are obviously like stone fonts in there with like water. Mm-hmm. In that you might presume is holy water. So I'll I'll get like a priest and and put in a donation of twenty five. Um, okay, so the the priest comes over and says, "Yeah, yes, my son, how can I help you?" I um, would uh, like to ask for a um, a skin of water, uh, uh, perhaps with a. A blessing said over it, uh, for I will encounter uh, things that would find such water detestable to the uh, extreme. He says, "Well, well, my son, it's a, it's it's somewhat of an irregular request. Uh, <laughs> we we don't normally trade in the in the blessed waters that we use in our our ceremonies." Indeed, indeed, I am an irregular man. Um, yes, I, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> oh, pardon me. I, it is new. Um, I fancied putting, and I'll, I'll take the, the helmet off. It says, uh, t- tell me, how, how how long have you been a, a member of the Church of the One True God? 
Minute two. <laughs> How long have we been talking? <laughs> that long. Since I walked in. I Last time have I had this armor. My, I'll say, my path has been very long and circuitous when it comes to these matters. I am <clears throat> rather poor in attendance, but great in action. At this point, I'm going to ask you to make a charisma <laughs> roll. I'm trying my best not to lie, but that doesn't help. Because, yeah, cool. Missed by one. Okay. So, the you're sort of slowly winning him over. You're not talking around. <laughs> and he's like, a, he's like, a, well, I, I, I suppose if if you were to to make a donation of 30 coins it would benefit the, the the poor that we give aid and need to and for helping them out a, a small amount of the the, the blessed mm -hmm. water i suppose mm -hmm. it is not too much to ask after all does does not god tell us that it it is nobler to give than to receive oh yes and i am very eager to give this water to certain people uh, things. Uh, here we go. I'll <laughs> hand over the gold. He sort of holds, he sort of waves hand <laughs> and he says, "Oh no, no, but please, in the in the collection box, if you if you please follow me, my son, he's ah. leads you down the the sort of central clank, like clank clank. Yeah, you get a few <laughs> odd looks from like people who are saying their prayers as you like clank down the central like sort of aisle. He <laughs> he takes you towards the what, the font, and you can see that next to it there is like a, a little sort of stone plinth. There's like a wooden box with like a, a slot mm -hmm. on the top of it." Yeah, so I'll spend a while, just one at a time. He, he, he <laughs> nods approvingly as you like put your thirty gold pieces into the, uh, mm -hmm. into the thing, and then he says, uh, "Do you do do you require a, a vessel, or do, do you have your own muscle? I'll hand over a skin. Okay, not a problem. And he. Dips it in, he says a prayer, which doesn't mean anything to you. And then he brings it back out and he hands it to you. I've just dropped a vial of holy water onto mm. your carrot sheet. Nice. Um, I will bid them uh, good day and uh, give them my best in helping with the uh, the less well to do. Uh, th thank you. We we can do a great deal of good with the donation you have made, my son. May, may the light of God illuminate your path for you. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take all the light I can get, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll find my way back uh, when we sort of uh, start moving on from the uh, market portion of this. And I, as a last bit, I will spend my remaining ten from this carnelian uh, spending extravaganza on two bushels of garlic nice okay so so whilst like this there's a little church trips happening what's quentin up to in the marketplace uh nothing i'm going straight towards the enchanters mate I've, apparently we're on a bit of a mission so i, I was gonna say you, you're not like i need time and parsley stat all spain <laughs> i can go without the paprika for a week i should be okay well, that's it okay so yeah you you wander over to this 
building that's been identified as the Enchanter's Guild. Like I say, it's a strange sort of building. It looks almost as like a giant's just taken a lot of different buildings and like crushed them together to make one. There's like loads of different like clashing styles and they appear to have been sort of like built around each other with like fairly little rhyme or reason. You wander up, like I say, it seems in fairly good repair. You wander over, you can see there's a couple of these like town guard by the front door and it's got like in very fancy calligraphy a sign on the door that says that Enchanter's Guild House. And underneath in equally flowing like cursive script it says that the the only authorised commercial guild of wizards in the Dolphinwood by appointment to Lord Brackenwald. Let's see. I'll go in. Yep, the guards don't stop you. You walk in. You go into what a piece of like a, almost like a little like reception room, basically. You see there's like a couple of doors leading off from it. There's a, a, a sort of slightly aged, like balding fellow wearing robes. He's sat at this wooden table. There's a little quill there, a little well. A few bits of parchment on the table in front of him. He, he, he looks up as you enter. And uh, he gestures to a seat on the other side of the table. I shall take the seat. He says, ah, good morning. Good well, morning, sir. I suppose it's nearly afternoon now. He says, he sort of looks out the window. They move so fast. Oh, indeed, indeed. And uh, what, what can we do for you? I'm after certain wares. Oh. That perhaps you can help me with. Well, I... I know we're a, we're a commercial guild. We don't tend to deal in trading in items as such, uh, sir. Uh, but uh, if I, if we can help, of course. Uh, obviously, there will be a cost involved. Of course there will. I mean, That's well, how commerce works. Ah, good. I see you understand. Very, very good, sir. And uh, what is this, uh, this matter perhaps we can help you with? Um, Tales of a Sword. Oh, we've heard of that, all right. There are a great many... At which point he, uh, he takes out, like, a, from under the table, he takes, like, a smaller wooden box, and he, uh, you see, as he flips it open, you see it's, like, full of, like, pipe weed. He, like, puts it in his pipe, and he, he starts, like, chuffing away, and he, like, he just, like, gestures at the box. He's like, you know, if you want some. And he's like... Yeah, I'll, I'll take some pipe, yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like oh, swords, uh, yes. Uh, he says... One of the more interesting weapons is, do you know that uh, there was actually a paper published, uh, uh, oh, must be 20 years back now, that um, I, I forget the, the enchanter's name who wrote it, uh, but apparently he was trying to uh, suppose that there is, there is something intrinsic in the nature of the sword as an object that makes it uh, hold enchantments better. And he was uh, hypothesizing that that's the reason why so many enchanted weapons are swords rather than maces, daggers, bows, why not? But this sword, is it a particular sword you're looking for? or More of a legend, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, a, green, a green sword of nature. Hmm, a green sword. Hmm. He says, uh, well, I do recall... Back in back in the the early days of the, the Dolmenwood, uh, 
there was a, apparently all manner of chaotic creatures and uh, according to the, the old legends uh, winter reigned supreme in the Dolmwood and at uh, some point there was an alliance of uh, the nobles uh, the the church and he suggested in the vague direction of the chapel and uh, a number of uh, other interested parties and they they conceived a plan to to banish winter from the Dolmwood so that it might be well as you see it now and uh, to, well, to the point most of us myself included uh, don't even really know what winter is uh, I mean obviously we've heard of it but and uh, this alliance apparently I do remember there was there was some talk of the, they did some sort of ceremony or some sort of ritual or something of that nature which banished winter from the from the Dolmenwood for all time and I seem to remember there was there was something about a a blade involved in that ritual uh, some sort of a conduit or anchor or something like that uh, it was a it was an essential part of the uh, of the ritual from what I remember and uh, it was like the the focal point through which the the energies were were channeled to to banish winter from from the Dolmenwood. How true that is, obviously I can't say. I, I mean, this is all second-hand, obviously. But yes, I, I do, I do seem to remember there was a, there was some talk of some sort of a, some sort of verdant blade or something like that. I don't suppose you'd have a copy of this paper, would you? He says, "Oh no, this this is just legends." Uh, but we, obviously, we tend to. We tend to hear a lot of this stuff in our business, uh, although the, uh, I think if I'm honest, the uh, the church and the uh, the the nobles, uh, they're not terribly keen to uh, to have this this little slice of our history spread about. Uh, they apparently the uh, the hooded men were also part of a uh, this alliance back in back in the old times, and uh, well given how things are now uh, as I'm sure you can understand the uh, the church definitely aren't keen on knowing that once they they once upon a time they broke bread with the the forest people if you know what I mean I understand fully they would they would rather hide from <coughs> their own great deed yes that's the that's the problem you see both ourselves uh, and the college we're in something of a of a difficult position, you see. Whilst we are, we are somewhat protected and uh, allowed to go about our business because we are officially endorsed by uh, Lord Brackenwald, uh, we also have to tread the the tight rope between not antagonising the church or the nobles. We we we, as much as I am loath to say it, we we exist at their sufferance. Really, I mean, if the if we stopped being productive and helping out the nobles or we created too much of a stir that they were under pressure from the church. Well, who knows how long we'd still be in business? It's a very, it's a very delicate balance between the, the the different forces all working together that make this whole thing keep ticking. Much like any good society. Yeah, it's quite. 
So, I'm also after um, an enchantment on this armor. Oh. Okay. Uh, what, what sort of enchantment? I uh, just need to make it a little bit more sturdy. In, in terms of the wear and tear, that sort of thing? Uh, in terms of the damage it takes. Oh. Oh, I see. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, let me... Uh, let me just uh, consult my files, which coincidentally resemble the old school essentials uh, referees rulebook. Uh, quite coincidental, you understand. Uh, and he starts like, rifling through all of his paperwork. He says, "Well, yes, I think uh, I think we." we could do what you're asking uh, obviously it would take some time and it wouldn't be cheap there are several rare ingredients involved in the necessary ceremonies etc uh, what's the figure it says well if you could uh, uh, it shouldn't be more than about uh, 50,000 gold pieces I'll remember that next time I'm passing through with the money. Oh, very good. I'd like to say it will, it will take a bit of time. I like once we actually start. Uh, you're probably looking at least a, a few weeks to a month. It's a very involved ceremony, and you, to put it in layman's terms, you have to make sure that the the energies are correctly permanently bound into the item. Otherwise, you could. We don't want you leaving here with something that seems to be exactly what you want, and then. A few weeks down the line, due to like shoddy workmanship, like you might get off some of the uh, the, the non guild affiliated enchanters, you don't want the energy sort of bleeding out due to it not being locked fully into the pattern of the the armor, and then you find yourself uh, without the money and without the armor you paid for. So we do take a little bit longer than some of these shysters out there, but uh, that's because we take pride in our work and the permanency of our work. Oh. Good craftsmanship takes time. Indeed, sir, indeed. Is there anything else we can do for you, sir? That's it for now, thank you. Well, uh, a pleasant day to you then, sir. And you. Enjoy your afternoon. Yes, yes, sir. Oh, always plenty of paperwork and uh, people to uh, speak to to keep me busy. And he, he sort of goes back to like, writing on his scrolls. I'll, I'll walk off. Yep, no problems. Okay, so you guys also also like reconvene a bit later. Like I say, it's about midday by the time you reconvene. Where are you guys planning to meet up? Obviously, if the rest of you are planning to go to the Enchanter's Guild House, I'm just saying like you meet Quinton as he's coming out. If that works for you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have all sort of rendezvoused at the Enchanter's Guild House. You see Quentin's just coming out as you approach. Over to you guys. Um, so Brock has found someone who said the Master Wars lives to the north of here. Um, and I think that we should find this Samuel Trader who sold um, the moon milk. Mm. Um because the old Jill mentioned that there was a difficult 
journey between here and there and we should maybe find out some more information if we decide to head north and see the moss dwarves again okay so is that the plan are you looking around for this samuel yeah well yeah okay yeah, no problems you look around it probably takes you maybe an hour so it's about like one in the afternoon now you you look around and eventually going on the like description you've given you do spot this samuel and since we've not actually described him i'm going to turn that over to you guys what does this samuel look like in like just like a few short words what does he look like what makes him stand out anyone shout up he should have a jagged scar down his face for his dangerous travels Anyone else want to throw in one more characteristic and then we'll we'll go with it. It could be something about the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he looks. He's probably a start fellow if he's trading quite a lot. And he clearly enjoys his money. Indeed he does. Okay, so yeah, as you're you're looking around, you've been told like, oh yeah, he's, he's a stout, like stocky like guy. Uh and he's got this like jagged scar right down one side of his face, sort of tapering to the corner of his mouth. And after looking around for like an hour, you spot him. You can see he's he's apparently just concluded a transaction with someone. He's like handed a bushel of herbs over to them, and he's just sort of like turning away and like sort of counting the money and like putting it into like his pocket. Obviously, he doesn't know you guys, so he's like not really looking for you or anything like that. But you spot him. He's, he's not too far away. What are you doing? Um, so I'll head up to him and say, um, "Is it old? Is it Jill? Her name is or Gil? It's old Gil. Old Gil. Um, old Gil. Uh, Send us." Um, He's like, "All right, you uh, you know old Gil, do you?" Yeah, yeah. We're staying down in the Poppycock Inn, um, and we got to talking over. Says, All right, practice. I was just there this morning. Yeah, yeah. We've seen your moon milk. Oh um, yeah. You had a bit of it, have you? Just moved uh, no, we're, we're saving it for later. Um, right. But we well, have. If, um, if you're looking for more, I'm sorry, but Gil took all that all that I'd got, and I pretty much sold all the rest of my. Uh, no, the re- no, that's fine. We do, we've, it's not. It's not the ale that we're um, keen on. Um, we're interested in traveling north to see the moss dwarfs. Um, oh, in Orb Swallow. Yeah. Um, and old Gil mentioned that the traveling between here and there is not for the faint-hearted. Um, yeah, so it can be a little bit tricky. It's like if you if you head straight north from here, you have to go through some patches of particularly dense woodland, and it's it's pretty difficult to travel through. Like if you go on a cart, and obviously I I have to take a cart because you know I've got to bring stuff back with me. But uh, <coughs> if you go a bit to the west of that, like, then you start getting everything starts turning into marshland and you start getting into the barrow bog oh it's horrible it's a apparently what they say i don't know how true this is but they used to like it didn't used to be so swampy and horrible and back in the day they used to like bury people there like back in the day day and there's all like these old like burial sites apparently like dotted around there i can't say i've ever seen any of them but uh, it's pretty treacherous going 
you know you have to be like really careful otherwise the uh the, the bog can just like suck you down i've i've seen no end of people like get in trouble like inexperienced people going into them and if we go east and then up and then back to the west is that any better he says well yeah if you um if you go to the if you go to the east and you head north again it's pretty dense woodland but if you're not if you're not taking a cart with you it should be should be all right it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit off the off the uh, the horse eye road so it's it's a little bit off the beaten track and you know some people are a bit a bit twitchy about that understandable but um yeah if you if you had if you head to the east go north and then cut west you where you'd have to let's see you go if you went like east for a day Added north for a couple of days, then you went west. You you start noticing when you're getting in the vicinity of Orb Swallow because you you start seeing like lots of like fungus and like mosses around there. And mm. uh, then if you went tracked west for a day or two, should find you about at Orb Swallow. And would you go north yourself, direct? He says, "Yeah. What I, what I tend to do is I tend to go I tend to go straight north, then." When I'm on the outskirts of the Barrow Bog, I tend to skirt round it a little bit to the east because there's like a little strip of land where it's not fully in the bog yet, but like the tree cover starts to die out a bit, so it's easier to get the car down. But you need to know where you're looking, and then I head up there, skirt around the Barrow Bog, and then once I start seeing like more moss and like the trees start getting a, a little bit sparse and it's more like fungus and mushrooms and stuff like that. Then I pretty much know I'm in the vicinity of Orb Swallow, and then they know me. I've been there a few times, so they uh, I do quite a good trade with them. So, and could you be persuaded to guide us? He says, "Well, yeah, if you've got a if you've got coin, I can I can guide you there." I do. Um, how much do you safely arrive in Orb Swallow? He says, "Well, to be honest, I'm going to be heading back there anyway, so it's not like I'm going out of my way." Um, call it. Call it twenty gold pieces. Yeah, cool. When do you leave? He says, "Well, I've got some more, some more business I need to sort out. So it'll be, it'll be early tomorrow morning. I'll actually be heading back." He says, uh, "I'm, um, I'm actually staying at, uh, I'm actually staying at one of the inns in uh, Brackenwald, uh, but I'll, um, I'm staying at the Chateau." And he sort of, uh, he points to like a, a building in the distance. Okay. He says, "Yeah, I'm staying there, but early in, early in the morning, I'm going to head out. I'm going to take the, uh, I'm going to take the sunken gate out of Brackenwald, and then I'm going to be heading back to Old Swallow." Okay, so maybe we can meet you at the sunken gate in the morning. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. He says, "I tell you what, g- give us when we meet up in the morning. G- give us half the money then, and then half the money when I see you safely there. I can't say fairer than that, can I?" No, that seems very reasonable. And, and excellent. Well, we will see you there tomorrow. Um, there's no fear of us coming across these. Um, I don't know, pretend I don't know what I'm talking about. These hooded men. Um, I hear they are a danger on the road. He says. He says. Well, yeah. If you go off the road, it has been known. But by and large, well, the way I do it is. If you see anything that looks remotely old, or like like one of these standing stones, one of these dolmens, if you give it a wide berth and you you don't interfere with anybody, normally that sees you right. Uh, from from what I get, from what I hear, 
they seem to think there's some like sacred sites or some rubbish like that. They take they take a dim view of anyone like getting too near them. I give them a wide berth. I've never had any problems. Okay. Good to know. Well, you'll be there to guide us, so we should shouldn't go straight. Indeed. He says, "Oh, um, although I, I I say I've uh, I say I've sold all my beverages, I've got a I've got a bit of a bit of glob wob if you want some of that, but that that is a bit of an acquired taste. I'm not going to lie. Mm. That's that's my stuff. Ah. I think they make, much? It, they make it out of uh, they make it out of lichen, if I remember correctly. He says, "Oh, and it, it's only like a little little thing. It's a." Uh, Couple of silver pieces. Right, yeah. Come on, we'll try it. We're 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 fond of the most dwarves. He, ha- he hands you over like a, a small container, and inside it is what appears to be this like quite sort of like if if you've ever smelt like a pond when you've pulled like pond weed out of it, it smells like that. <laughs> and it's this like grey green like slop that appears to be like half moss and half like fermented bubbling yeast, and he's like. Like I say, it's it's an acquired taste, but it's moss dwarf. Yeah. I don't get much call for it, that's why I've still got it, but well, well I'll take it with me and see how we go. And he says I, he says not to discourage you, because I mean obviously I know you've just bought it off me. But I'll tell you what I mostly find it useful for. He's like if you ever if you ever eat something, like if if you're not used to it, your stomach might react a little bit badly to it. But what it is good for if you've ever like at some berries or anything in the wilds and you're like, oh, I think I've had something I shouldn't and I need to like get that out of me quickly. If you drink that quickly, it'll be out of you within the next few minutes, if you know what I mean. I do. I do. It'll come straight back up. And that's why normally when when someone's first trying glob wob, and I'll say this to you, I could say it to anyone, I suggest you water it down a bit if you're just drinking it for drink's sake. Okay, and is it strong? I'm fond of a strong drink. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty strong if you can keep it down. But if you water it down a bit, it's easier on the stomach, and you know it, it lets it down just a little bit. It's, it's still pretty strong, but like I said, the taste's a bit. I always think it tastes like rainwater. Hmm. Some people say they think it tastes like leaves or moss or whatever. I think it tastes like rainwater. Never got a taste for it myself, but a lot of people seem to like it. Uh, uh, yeah. It's a quiet taste, but uh, a lot of like snobby people seem to like it, you know, but whether they like anything that most people don't like. And well, moss dwarves <laughs> love it. Can't get enough of it. Cool. Right, well, we'll be a better business and we will see you tomorrow at um, uh, oh, sunrise. I'll be setting off. Sunrise, yeah, sorry. At the sunken gate. Sunrise at the sunken gate. Ah, and he, he like points and shows you where the sunken gate is. Yeah, that's the first one we arrived at, is it? No, the one you arrived at is the moor. It's the first oh, one okay. you went to. It's like on the other side. But um, it's marked on the map. Uh, cool. And then is there like horses and ponies and mules and bits and bobs available to buy? Or... Yeah, that they're available to buy. Uh, you will find out from like Samuel that like. He's basically got a couple of horses and a cart that he puts his wares in. And he's like, well, obviously, he's, he's not really got a lot of wares to take there. So, like, if you want, you're welcome to ride in his cart. But obviously, if you've got your own horses. <laughs> I think we'll just pick up a pack horse for carrying uh, equipment. I'll tell him. But loot is really what we need. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, like, a, a draft horse would cost you, like, 40 gold pieces. Yeah, cool. 
and I'll have to get you to send me a list at the end of the session of all the stuff you've bought so I can like, drop on your carrot sheet. Yeah. For stuff I've not directly got set up already. But um, yeah, not a problem. You can easily buy a horse. Oh, that's not difficult in this massive market. I think by the time you've sort of concluded with all of that, probably like another couple of hours have passed, so we're on to like mid afternoon. And yeah, Samuel's headed off, he's gone about his business. You guys are left sort of on your own in the marketplace again. Um, is there anything else we want to do? I think we're good to go. No, I just need to tell you about everything I've found out in that Enchanter's Guild. And it's not stuff we should be talking about on the stream. Mm. Let us go back to the end zone. Discuss. So you're heading back to the poppycock in. Yep. Okay, that's not a problem. So you head back to the, the poppycock in. As you're getting like near to the inn, you can see there's a man that you don't recognise, just dressed in like normal everyday clothing, and he appears to be like tacking up like a sign or like a sort of piece of parchment onto like a nearby tree with a little hammer. But like, he hasn't spotted you, so it's like tacking it up. You can see he's got like a number of other like he's got like a little satchel on with like a number of other like rolled up pieces of parchment in it. He, t he tacks it up to the tree. And then he sort of he walks off in a different direction. He like waves good waves good afternoon to you, and he's like carries on his way. So when we look at the poster. Can we read it? Yep, you head over to it, and written in fairly clear sort of like ink on it, it says, "By order of Lady Harrimore, in response to the recent aggression of disease-ridden crookhorns and other abominations of chaos, it has been decreed that a fortified garrison is to be built in the town of Prigwart." Seeking experienced soldiers to provide protection for transport wagons and fortification builders. Competitive rates of pay offered. All interested parties should inquire at the town hall in Prigwart for further detail. That's on the way, isn't it? If we're going... Well, I suppose not if we're going to Orb Swallow in directly. Yeah, but basically Prigwart's off to like the northwest, Orb Swallow's like north. Yeah, we'd have, we could follow the road, but it just feels like we'd be better going with the trader going direct. Mm. Yeah, well, if they're looking for builders, they'll be going at it for a while, so... Yeah. Okay, so do you do you guys have anything you want to do for the rest of the day? Or are you just going to like call it an evening, get, get an early night, meet up with uh, your boy Samuel in the morning? I'm going to tell them about the um, sword, the yep. ritual. Go, go ahead. Uh, so basically, <coughs> there are tales of a sword that was used as a focal point in a ritual to banish winter from these lands. The church does not like people talking about it because at one point they were aligned with these hooded elves. Okay, so getting information on it any further is going to be perhaps a little bit more dangerous than what you think. You know, because 
if the church is involved, and I can only assume that they've got garrisons of armed people to come after us, should we get a bit too close to the truth. But the short of it is, it's not going to be an easy thing to find. I think we've got the the moss dwarfs is option one, and then the hooded characters near these ritual stones or whatever would be option two if if that doesn't work, I guess. But that, like you say, could go a bit. Uh, well, it's definitely the more dangerous of the two options. I would assume that the hooded ones would be guarding the sword. Yeah, or definitely connected in some way. So, um, also we need to think about if it was used as a ritual in the focal point, what does removing it from this plane do to the plane? If it's intrinsically linked as a source, then removing it could effectively kill this world. Well, that, that certainly could be something that I believe, whether they know that for a truth or not but yeah that certainly could be linked in well it, it would be changed i don't know about death though uh, if they banished the winter well, presumably they were here before well you know any, any way we look at it it's going to be a mm. serious repercussion for oh, oh one side. very much so yes uh... well, they sort of transported the whole wood into here, didn't they? They didn't sort of fend off the winner. That's how they describe it, but they sort of transported themselves. Well, that's what the other moss dwarfs sort of explained, wasn't it? But anyway. Let's find the moss dwarfs and see what they say. They may yeah. have memories of us. They certainly um, live long enough, don't they? Yeah. Or seem to. Um or pass down the information. The problem is, is the ones who live the longest are very difficult to communicate with. Well, nothing else but to try, I guess, Indeed. for us. So. Yep. So, moon milk, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. I'll try if you do. I'm on it. Okay, so we, I suppose we're going to check if there's moon milk still, John. Okay, roll me a d6. Unless someone came in and had a bit to drink during the day. <laughs> uh, d6. That's a two. Okay, yeah, there's still some moon milk available. So effectively, it's going to cost... It's going to cost two silver pieces per person who wants to have some. I think we're all going for it. Yeah. Okay, you're yeah. Going, you're going milked up. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it, it it's an odd drink. It's it's not. I mean, it's up to you whether you like it or not. But basically, it's it's got a very sort of cream. It's like drinking sort of like single cream. It's the sort of texture of it, and it's got that sort of like creamy, like milky sort of taste. But then, like I say, on the sort of aftertaste, it's got like a really sort of sharp, almost like sweet and sour sort of sort of taste to it. And it's got these little like grape-like fruits sort of in it. And occasionally, as you're drinking, you'll like bite into one of them, and there's like a burst of like 
sort of like sour like fruit almost like a gooseberry as you're as you're sort of eating it so it's down to you whether you like whether you like sort of sour fruity milk drinks entirely down to you but um yeah it's obviously you all only had like one each and that that's pretty much cleaned around so it's not enough to like get you smashed but um it it does have this like very warming sort of feeling as you like drink it down like the warmth seems to like go down you and yeah it, ma it makes you feel quite sort of jolly and quite warm and quite happy you know you know i i didn't expect sort of tree resin to be <laughs> this drinkable Okay. So I think we we have a sort of rest, I guess, for the first time in <laughs> weeks. Yeah. And so uh, obviously, yeah. like I say, you've still got your rooms booked uh, to the the poppycock. So yeah, you, you go to sleep. Anyone who needs to regain HP, you can regain like one d three HP, as per usual, with an evening of rest. However, during the evening, the cool calm of the evening, Malcolm, you're, you're woke up in the middle of the night, and the rest of you, roll a d6, Brock and Weimar, if you get a 1, you're also woken up by this, Quentin, if you get a 1 or 2, you're also woken up by this. If you're awake, it's up to you how you react. Heavy snoring. Okay. The, the milk pulled me out. <laughs> and, and, and I'm having a sleep, mate. Yeah. Okay, everyone else is like milked up to the max. They're all asleep. Okay, so Malcolm, you're woke up in the middle of the night, but like, what appears to be like a, a gentle like at the window. Okay, so I will, I guess, get up and what is it? A window in the roof, or is it like a? It's just like in the wall. All right. Okay. So I guess a, I'll a open small, this like, little glass window. I'll just open the shutter and see what I can see. Okay, you as you move towards the window, you can see there appears to be like a white owl, like pecking with its beak, like quite gently at the glass. As you sort of move over to open the window, it flutters away from the window, and as you sort of like peer out, you see some sort of like stood outside of the the poppycock in is what appears to be a an incredibly beautiful. An obviously elven woman with that long silver hair. She appears to be wearing armor that looks as though it's like it's made of metal, but like the metal's like stylized like snowflakes that are like linked together. And there's like a very sort of voluptuous, like very sort of upper class looking like white robe sort of flowing out from the bottom of it. And she sort of holds her hand out like that, and the owl like flutters down and rests on her hand. Okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry, say again. Are we on the first floor? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll jump out the window and do my best to land super cool. Like that, That's not a problem with your decks. Whenever I should make a roll, you jump out, you, you land, spring back up to your feet. The You see, like, as you're landing, like, the woman appears to like, perhaps nuzzle or like, whisper something to the owl, and then she goes like that, and it flutters off into the distance 
and she she turns towards you and smiles at the moonlight shining on this arm as reflecting the different snowflakes and she she looks at you and says uh, I greet you in the name of the rising sun I return your greet and m might I have the the privilege of knowing to whom I speak I am a Malcolm Harp of the Wolf Clan. She she looks at you like she looks a bit puzzled when you say that. And she's like, "That is, that is your name." It is. I come from. I came here from another world. She, she raises an eyebrow, and then she says, "I am Snowblight Winterfrost." And she holds out a hand. Right. Winter. And I'll just shake her hand. Or I guess kiss it like she's a lady. Yeah. You you kiss a hand and as you as you take a hand and you, you notice like a hand is like quite cold, like she'd had it in like a, a bucket of ice water. Not like, oh it's painful, it's cold you down. Yeah, it's yeah. very cold. Okay. She she smiles, nods, and then says, My my people tell me that you are interested in shall we say removing certain problematic items from the bounds of the Dolmenwood ah. people are well informed yes there are there are many creatures which speak to us within the Dolmenwood although we are we are not now what we once were Indeed. And this particular item causes you some concern? Not concern precisely. Uh, it's a it's more a matter of principle. You see, many many, many years ago as as humans reckon things, my liege lord was the the ruler of all of these lands that you can see stretching from the Nagwood in the north to the far south of the Dolmenwood, and he was a he was a just a ruler, as was his right. But that unfortunately was not good enough for those who were were jealous of his power and his position. Now my lord had never had never sought to rule this land with an iron fist. He he mostly left the humans, the the demi faith, the other people who inhabited to their own affairs so he did not notice the when the jealousy turned into thoughts of treachery so jealous were the were the various malcontents that even those who hated each other like the droon and she appears to give like no fucks about saying droon it's like the droon the the church of the human god and those humans who aped pretense of nobility although they all hated each other for a few a few brief spans their jealousy overrode their hatred they allied together in secret and were able to in their crude way create a working which cast my my lord from his rightful place and permanently barred him from the Dolmenwood. now there are there are ways that 
those like myself in his court can travel from distant Phrygia to to the Dolman Wood, but the, the ways are difficult and the journey is extremely long, even for those of our kind. And it is our wish that things should return to the way they rightfully were. And if you were to remove the linchpin of this crude, crude barbaric enchantment that the Druid wove, it would enable my lord and all of my kin to return to their rightful place. And I assure you, my lord, my prince, would be extremely grateful. And what of the people of the Dalmanwood? They would remain as they are. Now, I'm not saying that my lord won't seek some form of retribution against those directly responsible for his banishment but my lord is not a barbarian like these droon or he does not make any pretense to divinity like these deluded fools in their their wooden stone houses of worship but he recognizes that the vast majority of people living within the Dolmen Wood had no part in his unjust banishment so there is there is no retribution needed against them. And how many years has your prince been banished? Many, many thousands of years as the as the humans reckon it. Since okay. since the time when the, the Dolmen was taken from its original home and was brought here. And would removing this linchpin return Dolman Wood to its home? That is our belief. The the Dolman Wood would, re- as you as you can see, look around this this state of affairs, this permanent spring or autumn that this these woods exist in, is not <coughs> is not natural. Everything has its its time, its ebb and its flow. There, are sp- spring is supposed to precede summer. Autumn comes after, and then there is winter, and the cycle repeats. That is how things are supposed to work. But for all that pretense of being guardians of this great woodland, in their hubris, the Druun believe that they know better than the cycles of the world. And they have, they have so divorced this place from the natural flow of things that the people in here, in this Dolmenwood, barely even remember what winter is let alone any of the other seasons for this place is held in a sort of an unchanging stasis this is not the way things are supposed to be Malcolm Harp and would your your prince would return to the Dolman Wood and the Dolman, so the Dolman Wood would return to its original location and your lord, your prince would return to that location? Not in, not in the way I believe you are implying. And forgive me if I am... if I'm not explaining myself correctly. It has been some time since I have conversed in low elvish 
and she then she says like says something in this musical like lilting language which sounds like amazing but you don't understand it she says uh, i'm a i'm a little unfamiliar with it but my my prince is not a my, my prince is winter uh -huh. therefore wherever winter is that is where my prince reigns and okay. if, if the dolmen wood were to be returned to where it came from the normal flow of time would resume the seasons would resume there would be winter again in the dolmen wood and where there is winter there is the cold prince okay um And uh, the cold prince would reward one such as I who might complete this task. We we are aware that when we when we made our our exodus from the world, there were many who, for whatever reason did not accompany us and I assume forgive me if I'm wrong that you are descended from such since you do not understand the language of high elvish but for all of that we are cousins of a sort I can tell that the that the blood of fairy flows through your veins that is as obvious to me as I see you standing here now my my prince is simply concerned with the rightful order of things being restored. He he is a a force of nature that has been barred from the cycle of being in this place. As one of the lords of the Fey, I'm sure you can appreciate that it, the generosity and the gratitude of my prince could be a, a great boon to you and it would it would cheer us greatly to perhaps see this as a first inroad towards welcoming some of our wayward kin back into the fold there is much we could teach you and perhaps there is much we could learn from yourselves you are after all we 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 move through this world like visitors. We watch, we see, we experience, but we do not belong. Whereas, and I mean no disrespect, your, you and presumably your people are more a part of this world. You are anchored to it. Therefore, whilst we could teach you the secrets of the land of fairy, and we could teach you much about your heritage and how to harness the power that flows through your blood there is no doubt much we could learn from your experiences in the world since you would have a different viewpoint to ourselves I'm afraid you're muted Malcolm <laughs> um, are you star struck silent um, and can you tell me where this item is? Where this uh, enchantment was enacted? 
I cannot tell you exactly where it is for the enchantment bars even our awareness but from what we have been able to learn the and again forgive me if I sound like I'm being patronizing here there are way back in the ancient days when our people were more numerous there are lines of force of energies that flow through the world and back in the ancient days where these lines crossed where the borders between worlds were thin where enchantment was ascendant great stone monoliths were raised to mark those points and that was the case in Dolmenwood as it was in the rest of the world it is our belief that far to the west the the Droon have somehow been able to corrupt and redirect this these flows of energy through the item which you seek to effectively permanently empower this enchantment that makes a mockery of the natural cycle and bars my prince from these lands. It seems we both benefit from the removal of this object. Um, so I hope that we can assist each other in this matter. At which point she, she reaches down and she she takes one of these like pulls one of these like metal snowflakes off her armor and she she sort of holds it out to you, and you see that like, it's like wafer thin, but it is made of metal. And she she holds it out to you, and he says, "If you should wish to to contact me, should you choose to accept our offer, or should you require any assistance? Although bear in mind, we are until the item is removed, we are extremely limited in this area. But should you come across any of my kind, or require to contact me?" You have merely to hold this this token and think my name. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much, Snowblight Winterfrost. And I shall treasure this token. Until we meet again. And she, she like claps her hands together like once. And as she does, there's like suddenly this like howling wind like gusts through the area that you're stood in, and like leaves and like twigs and everything blow around, causing you to like sort of cover your face to like stop all this shite blowing in your face. And when you take your hands away, she's gone, and it's just like a tiny little scattering of snow on the ground where she was standing. Okay. At which point, I guess I will go back to bed. No problems. Okay, guys, I'm going to suggest we have a five-minute break there. Refresh your drinks, use the facilities, etc. We'll come back in five minutes. We'll carry on. Probably going to maybe run till about half ten, if that's okay for everybody. So, yeah. another sort of hour, roughly. But yeah, we'll come back in five minutes, and then we'll crack on then. So, I'll see you in five, guys. Cool. Yeah.
So the session's going okay for everybody so far. Yeah, very yes, enjoyable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Obviously, as you guys can see, I've sort of moved you back onto the, the main Dolmenwood map, ready for your travelling. Yeah. How big are the hexes, John? Each hex is like a day's travel. Oh, okay. Okay. So we start off early the next morning. So at around about 6 a.m. effectively, you head back into Brackenwald Town. You make your way to this sunken gate which effectively you just go down like a, a little sort of flight of stairs into a dip and the gate sort of sat a little bit below the ground and you come up on the other side. You meet up with Samuel Tippins, the your guide for this journey. He takes like the 10 gold off you for like the first half of it. You see he's got like a, a fairly sizable like little cart and he's got like a couple of horses on it. Uh, obviously he says you, know, you guys are welcome to ride in the cart if you've not got your own horses. Is there anything you guys want to ask him before you set off? Um, no, but I guess sometime before we left, I would have told the guys that I met an elf who... Well, I'll tell you what, go for it. We'll have that conversation now. Um, so as we're having our breakfast, um, uh, I had a visitor last night, a strange elf lady. Um, who said her prince was winter um, and who indicated that if the green sword, the green blade was removed from its current location that the dolmen wood would be transported back to Valcona along with all of the people in it Um. And the elves are keen to see the seasons return to uh, normal in Balconan, um, rather than staying here in this uh, perpetual autumn, which disturbs them for, for many reasons. Um, that the season doesn't change, um, but also that there is no winter for, it seems they are servants of the winter. Um, so I, I guess I know not how trusting we can be of these elves, um, but they may be of assistance um, if we can find the sword and need help to extract it. Um, Do we know enough of this place to? You know, throw them back into the harsh winters that they would find themselves in without sentencing them to death, possibly. Um. At which point, Lam says, uh, Brock makes a good point. I mean, the. I don't, I don't mean to sound insulting, but the people we've seen around here are 
seemed pretty soft. I'm not sure they'd survive the, the harsh cold of Valconan. Yeah, but at the same time, it could also bring some warmth to Valconan. And I think the larger question then is, uh, should we head back right now instead of doing anything at all? If that is a consideration. Because either way, apparently, if this is true, uh, that is, if we take the green blade, then this will happen regardless of our intentions and anything else. So if we want the green blade, this will happen. Well, it's whether we can trust this visitor of yours as well. Yeah. Certainly a risk. Um, but I don't even know the size of this place. You know, we may be talking about one town or city, but it looks like from this map, you know, this is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I suggest we continue on with our journey and find the sword. Oh, we may find more information. Um but she indicated that the enchantments that the Droon cast to move them here used the sword, and that if the sword was removed from its location, that the enchantment would end, and the Dolmen Wood would return to its original location. But this was thousands of years ago. I mean, does all this information still ring true? Do you trust this? Elf creature. I do. But whether I am right to do so or not. You're more trusting than me. But yes, we must continue with our our quest for knowledge. So I don't think we should change our plans yet. Well, now let us go and see what the Master Wars have to say. They may have more information. Okay, no problems. So, you, you're all traveling with Samuel Tippins, as I've said. It's a journey of three days. So, effectively, you can gain like 3d3 hit points back. You'll have plenty of time to rest and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to make a couple of uh, random rolls, see if we're getting like, random encounters or anything of that nature as you travel. So, on the first day... So on the first day, nothing particularly untoward happens. You you see a few like signs of like animal tracks and stuff like that. Nothing, nothing untowards. You're moving through the forest, which is gradually getting sort of like thicker as you're traveling. On the second day, you notice that the the trees start to sort of 
change a little bit they they become a little bit sparser and you start seeing like there's more like mosses and like lichen and you see like large toadstools and stuff like that sort of scattered around samuel tippins is like we'll see up swallow first thing tomorrow morning and he started pointing out like oh you see this see this moss and these mushrooms that's how you can tell you're getting close to orb swallow and make general conversation and stuff like that again you see signs of animals nothing particularly untoward nothing startling at the start of the third day as you're sort of continuing to travel obviously you're also like resting in the the wagon and whatever taking it in turns to sort of like drive effectively at the start of the third day you hear a shout early in the morning like the sun's just coming up from Samuel Tippins and he's like there we go look there's Orb Swallow and he sort of like points a little bit ahead to where the trees sort of break out a little and you can see what appear to be like three sort of clusters of like huts built with like thatched roofs and built out of like covered in moss and like almost like they built out of like driftwood and detritus and each of these clusters of huts one of them they're quite primitive seems to be built around like a large central tree but each of these trees looks quite different from each other and they don't look like the surrounding trees of the dolmen wood as you're sort of getting closer you can see a number of these small like dwarven creatures like big mossy beards some of them have like mushrooms growing on them they're other wearing like armor made out of wood or they're wearing clothes made out of pine cones and they're also like moving around you see some of them are moving like fairly normal pace where some of them are moving like really slowly and uh, as you continue in like samuel tippins sort of like points at the a sort of small building that appears to be in the center of this like cluster of uh, cottages and he's like he's like oh you see that there that's the uh, that's that's the giant toadstool brewery that's where i do most of my business they've got a, a ni nice little place on the back they call the somber lamb you can get a room there a bit bit food a bit of drink etc it's, it's a bit more comfortable because it obviously they've, they've built it for like people like me coming into trade so you know it's still a bit odd, I'm not going to lie. They're moss dwarves, they don't really think like us. But, you know, they've done their best to, like, make what they think is a normal tavern. He says, you might have to sit on, like, giant mushrooms rather than a wooden seat, but it's not too bad. Yeah, we'll be sure to check it out after we have seen to our business. Yeah, and he says, uh, he says that, that tree over there, that's the milk, milk tree, I think. Yeah, that's the milk tree. That one over there is the moon tree, and that's the pipe tree. And he, he sort of slowly slows down to a stop and he's like he's like shouting to a few of these moss dwarves who obviously knows. And he's like, well, I'm going to go and get myself sorted out of the, um, the Somber Lamb because I'm planning on staying here. I've got some business to do. Uh, so I've got you here safely, so if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm going to the other 20. Yeah. Or the other 10. He takes Sorry. the other 10 off, yeah. And he's like, well, pleasure in business with you. And uh, he says, right, I'm going to go and get myself some quarters sorted out and do a lot of my business. I, I'll, I'll leave you to yours. Have a good yes. one. Yeah, and indeed. He sort of like parks his cart and he like heads off towards this uh this three toadstools brewery slash inn that he pointed out to you. Um 
So I guess we're looking for the slowest dwarf as a starting point. But the What's elder in it. Yeah. Okay. Just... Yep. So you look around. Most of them are moving pretty sort of normally, and then you spot like one who appears to be like standing like entirely still. But as you watch him over the space of about fifty minutes, you see like one of his feet go. Okay. And it looks like he's actually walking across, but he's just like moving really slowly. He looks like a good candidate. Um. <clears throat> so I'll approach him uh, slowly, and I guess kind of stand in front of him and just say greetings and wait for. You wait for about fifteen minutes. He sort of stops as you get in front of him. After about fifteen minutes, he goes and looks up at you. Greetings. Uh, um, I seek the history of this land. Hmm. The history of this land. Orb swallow. The Dalman Wood. The Dolman Wood. What is it you want to know? I wish to understand how the Dolman Wood was transported to this place. Okay, and I'm going to resume talking at normal speed. Yeah. yeah. Just assume that after I'm saying this, this like most off is like really slow, just because otherwise it will take a bit like two hours. <laughs> You're all like, yeah, yeah. Out, yeah. But uh, he basically says here, he says, uh, well, the the Dolman Wood was once in one place, and now it is in another. Yes, and I wish to know how it left the other place and came to be in this place. From what we understand, there was a, a great winter and those who would eventually become known as the Druun, they wove a mighty working that transported this place and those within it outside of the reach of the cruel winter. And know you where this happened? How do you mean? Um, where did the druid perform this ceremony? We believe it was in the the west of the Dolmenwood. Ah. Um, and are the druid nearby? The druid are spread throughout the Dolmenwood. They see themselves as custodians of the ancient places of the woodland and they they believe that if the, the delicate balance of the dolmen wood is, is disrupted a great disaster will befall it and therefore they attempt to guard it and prevent that from happening 
And what do you believe of the truth? They are seeking to to work in harmony with the with the Dolmenwood in their own fashion. We most dwarves have always lived in harmony with the with the natural world around us, so we have little quarrel with them. But our interests seldom overlap. They they take a more violent approach to to policing their ancient sites and to protecting their secrets. They are obsessive hoarders of secrets, particularly those of a, a mystical nature, whereas we live a simpler life. We, we do not believe that the, the dictates of the natural world should be through force. We believe that everything is part of the natural cycle, whether people know it or believe it or not. You are part of the natural cycle. He points at each of you in turn. You are part of the, you are part of you. And I am part of the, the natural cycle. All of this is. And we, because we are part of nature and we, we live in it, it, it flourishes on our very flesh and he gestures to like several patches of moss and like mushrooms growing on himself. We are a part of nature. We do not see the need to enforce it. Either people will realize their place in the, the natural scheme of things, or they will not. That is the way of things. Okay. Um, and would your people be happy to have the Dolman Wood return to its original location? If that is what happens, then that is what happens. We would. As the as the mushrooms and the moss that grow upon our flesh, we would adapt and we would survive. There is there is very little anyone can do about that. Nature always finds a way to survive. Even if it has to sleep for many years, it, new growth will eventually spring forward from the hardest of grounds. Indeed. So while this like very long conversation is going on, what are the rest of you guys doing? Because I see you've got plenty of time while that conversation is going on. I mean, that's probably taking about an hour, that conversation. Just going to have a look about. Yeah, no problems. You you have a look around. You see a lot of these moss dwarves sort of like knocking around, doing their doing their various business. You see that as you sort of like explore, like I say you've got like an hour, so as you're looking around, you see that in a, the way the structure appears to be laid out, it's like each of these like cluster of cottages, like the people in them, each care for like the tree that grows from the centre of it. As and obviously anyone can know this if they're wandering around. As you look at the tree that uh, Samuel identified as the milk tree, you can see it's got those large, like grape-like fruits that you saw in the um, the drink you had, sort of hanging from it, and the the, the sort of low-hanging fruits on the tree appear to be like significantly larger, like sort of the size of a watermelon. And as you watch, you will at some point see a moss dwarf like take out like a small bowl 
they cut one of these fruits open and then it appears to be filled with like a substance that's halfway between like a yogurt and like a sort of cottage cheese this sort of white substance and they like pour it into the bowl and then they sort of like dig the remains of like the husk of the fruit like back into the the base of the tree almost like to like fertilize it and they take this like milk that's like a more condensed version of what you drank sort of way the the one that's identified as the moon tree it's like this large elegant like birch like tree you can see various different fruits growing at first you think it's like maybe they've grafted some like a number of trees together because all the fruits look different but as you look at it you eventually realize like the fruits on the tree at various different levels they're all like the shape of one of like the phases of the moon and as you watch you see like moss dwarfs sort of gathering these and they seem to be quite at home scrambling up and down the trees they uh they're gathering down and you watch as they're sort of like grinding these different fruits down and into like a paste and each time they do each one produces like a different pigment and then when you look around at those buildings around that tree you see like some of the buildings are decorated with these different like color pigments and then finally the the pipe tree as it's been identified again there's dwarves harvesting like fruits from there and the the fruits are like big hollow gourds almost and you see they, they seem to be picking like the smaller one and as you look at them they literally you see why it's called the pipe tree because the fruits once they've taken the stalks off and sliced off the end literally look like a small like wooden smoking pipe and they appear to be like harvesting them and like putting them in baskets and stuff like that okay and i don't want to do anything else like i say you've got an hour while malcolm's talking to this very slow dwarf no, I suppose it's we, we kind of came in expecting, like knowing what to expect. And um, yeah, just walking around for a bit, I think. Just taking stock of the surroundings because I know that <laughs> we, we sought out the slowest dwarf. So yep. that's what we're getting. There's a number of like, eventually, I mean, obviously Quentin's not met them before, but eventually it becomes obvious if you needed to know this, that like, it seems like the older these dwarves get, the slower they get. And like the other dwarves are like fine with that. So you can tell like the ones scampering up and down the trees, they're obviously like the youths of like the village. I mean, they still look like raggedy old dwarves, but they're obviously like the younger ones, and you can tell just by like it soon becomes pretty easy just by the speed someone's moving and talking to like right they're young, they they're probably middle aged, right? They're really old. And yeah, you see like the older ones are just sort of like slowly moving around, whereas the younger ones just like that that seems fine, it's perfectly normal to them. They're just getting on with their business, moving around, doing things. The, you know, it's like the older dwarves, they seem to almost have like a more sort of, um, like sort of ceremonial, I suppose, sort of like purpose, because they, they're not going to be going up and down trees and whatever. So most of the sort of like day-to-day running of Orb Swallow appears to be like the younger dwarves. And you would, you might assume that they sort of go to the older ones when they like need to get some wisdom from them or something like that. But they, the older ones, they're a bit too slow for like the day-to-day running of the village. Does it look like there's a sort of elder's house or you can like see that one they're... completely covered with loads? Like... There doesn't seem to be like a single like elder's house, but like you you ask around a bit because they're all quite happy to like talk, mm. and you're told that like each of the each of the three trees has a, like a central hut nearest to like, the trunk of the tree where like the elders of that particular like little village, and you get the feeling that maybe like. These were once three separate villages. 
that sort of like came together and now they're like one big village. And I'll try and find out, is this one of the elders that Malcolm's talking to? Yeah, I think it's not one of the oldest dwarves, but it's like it's one who's in like his late middle age. Yeah. Because you, you, after like chatting to some of the younger dwarves, you get the idea that like the elders are like they they move so slowly, like almost like the speed that like plants grow. That like basically, if like Malcolm was talking to one of them, like you'd probably have like a week to explore the village. Yeah. Before yeah. like the conversation finished, whereas he's talking to like a middle aged one who's like. On, on the slow slide down to being an elder, but he's not there yet. Okay. And you, you, you sort of ask around a bit, you get the feeling that like most of the elders, they they sort of pretty much just stay like sat in their chairs, in their huts. Just and occasionally, yeah, occasionally like when they need to like get their ancient wisdom, the dwarves go to them and they're like, oh, can you answer us this question on the elders? And then they're like, all right, we'll come back in a month. And then they sort of come back and get their answer like later. And <laughs> they, they have like a, they'll have like a younger dwarf there who'll sit there listening to like the words that slowly dribble out of these elders like, and then it'll, it'll come out like, like six months later and it'll be like oh the elder says this and then they'll like, have their answer mm. <laughs> doesn't okay. seem a terribly efficient system but no but you know they, no. They, it seems to just be perfectly normal for them they don't regard it as anything odd no no and they don't I'll, I'll ask one of the younger ones do they have any sort of like writings or books or any sort of scribes or any sort of knowledge that they sort of collect up rather than is it all word of mouth yeah they don't seem to they don't seem to have like extensive written knowledge uh, you gather after talking for them that I mean they, they sort of see time quite differently obviously but um, you get the feeling after talking to them that your typical moss dwarf maybe lives like a couple of hundred years so yeah. like they, they sort of tend to pass things on via like word of mouth occasionally if they've got something like really important and they're like oh you know we need to make sure this is remembered they will actually like sort of inscribe it is they say inscribe they don't say carve onto hmm. like the tree of their village or like one of the the wooden walls of like the elders huts like if the elder occasionally makes like a pronouncement and there's no one there to hear it, like the elder might actually like very slowly like carve it onto the the wall of their hut. And am I like um, allowed to look at such such information? Or yeah, they 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 seem happy with you wandering around. They're not sort of saying, "Oh, you know, you can't go in the, right. the elder's hut." Well, I just I just spend a bit of time looking at that sort of stuff in case there's anything that you know sticks out as something to do with the whole Dolman Wood moving around and okay. the old days and stuff at first you, you don't think there's anything of particular note here most of their writing appears to be concerned with like how plants are growing um, you know lo- local sort of things that are, oh yeah the, the the second hut in this village needs like the roof repairing just day to day stuff like that however you notice like as you sort of look at one particular piece of writing and they more sort of like use crude pictograms rather than like actual writing you notice that they also appear to like track like the weather so you know they know when's best to plant their crops etc and you know as you you see like this piece right like tracks the the weather going back for like years and years and years and years and eventually you find and this takes like maybe a couple of hours eventually you have to keep going up to the door and be like Where's the bit before this? All right, it's over on this other building. Right, okay, go and look at that. All right, that goes back like another hundred. Right, where's the bit? Where's the next bit? Right, it's on this other building. And you're sort of following it around, following it back. 
and eventually you get back to it must be like thousands of years in the past and you notice that like the, the recordings of the weather although they're slightly sort of worn away because it's, it's on wood the the weather noticeably changes so after after this point it's all like sunshine rain wind sunshine rain wind that, that sort of stuff but then before that it's like snow ice like seasonal weather rather than just being like oh a bit of sun and a bit of rain all the time so you you might guess that like, that's probably the the rough point when it occurred but so there's a bit no, of a timeline no, yeah there's no exact dates but you're like oh it must be like thousands of years ago that this happened yeah yeah so you can see how far back it went okay well i'll just do that while obviously malcolm's continuing his conversation indeed what's uh why am i getting up to Not much. Um, just touring around, really. Um... Okay, yeah. So as you're wandering around, you yeah. you see one of these dwarves who's like got these little like pipe fruits, sort of carry them over. And there's a a slightly older dwarf, you guess, but the fact he's a little bit slower, but he's not like really slow. And you can see that what he's doing is he's like hollowing out these like pipe mm-hmm. fruits, and mm-hmm. then he's like he's sort of like putting cord around them to make them into like an actual pipe, and he's sort of like mm-hmm. setting them in a pile like next to himself. And that appears to be like his job, like he's some sort of like pipe maker. He's got like little specialist tools, he's like hollowing them out with and like wrapping. So they don't really seem to use a lot of metal, but he's like where you'd have like a metal rim there and there. He's like wrapping like cord around it and then that puts it in a pile, goes into the next one. And he sort of nods at you as you're sort of like going past. He doesn't even seem to like, he's obviously been doing it that long, he doesn't seem to need to look at him while he's doing it. So he's like nodding at you as he's. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just chirp at the uh, the dwarves like so what manner of um, leaf do you smoke he says oh well he says we have a we have a we grow a wide variety of different obviously again he's slightly slower but I'll keep yeah. it at normal speed he says uh, we have a we have a wide variety of uh, different uh, different leaves um, my personal favourite is barley blend but we have a number of different ones. Uh, we we have different names for them, but the we tend to use the common names. It's easier when we're trading with outsiders. He says um, we have a bit of a, a bit of a fluff top as well for this season, which is quite nice. Although some people find the colour of the smoke a little surprising. Is is there? some of this or either that one could trade for perhaps he says uh, well, yes um, certainly uh, if you if you have a, a silver piece I can give you a plug of fluff top yeah, I'll I'll get the uh, the fluff top okay he takes out like a small like a little sort of fist size like a hessian like bag and he passes yeah. it over to you you look inside and you see there's like a a soft sort of like fuzzy like golden leaf like fairly roughly cut in there mm-hmm. and they're appears to be like little so almost like little like crystals or specks of like pollen of some sort inside it and it's got like this very so almost like a sort of all spice like sort of smell to it yeah no i'll i'll actually um <laughs> i don't know do we have enough time for this but I'll um, 
I would like to to smoke a bit of fluff top, John, and, and have a think as nice. I wander about. Absolutely fine. So you you spark up this fluff top, and as you smoke it, it produces like a thick sort of emerald green smoke that like billows out of your pipe. And again, this sort of very sort of spicy sort of allspice like aroma billows out. And after you smoke it for a while, yeah, you, you know, you you start feeling like a little bit light-hearted, you know, like some of the cares of the world have like washed off, you know, you're feeling a, bit, a little bit more positive, I suppose would be the way to describe it. And you want to... Yeah, I'll, I'll ruminate. Yeah, contemplate existence. Okay, um, so obviously that, that's an intelligence check, basically. Yeah, so... And what is it you're ruminating on, as you said? Yeah, yeah. With this so, emerald green smoke coming out. So... I suppose based on what we sort of have on the table so far, um, I would be pondering the best way to get uh, the green blade hmm, no um, yeah I, I guess yeah the, the best way to um, go about our quest here with sort of minimal uh, collateral damage let's call it <laughs> So, uh, based on what we know, which isn't a lot, okay. um, I guess what would be the best course of option and uh, of getting the sword as we want to, and um, I suppose destroying as few lives as possible. Okay, well, assuming what you know is true, as you're sitting there sort of mm -hmm. smoking and ruminating on it, if what you know is true, the the removal of the sword, well, there's a, there's a number of problems that face because you've heard that like the drone like aggressively defend like the mm -hmm. enchantment so that that's a problem to get past um, mm -hmm. you know from what you've been told from what Malcolm's told you that apparently like this sort of like ley line energy was like redirected through the sword mm -hmm. to sort of keep this enchantment going and make it permanent obviously if the, the swords are removed once this energy because obviously you're not you're not an arcanist once mm -hmm. this energy is released if it Effectively, like you know, if it like snaps back like a rubber band, mm -hmm. what effects that gonna have? Like beyond the like, oh, Donald might go back to Falcon, and you mm -hmm. don't know what effect that because that's effectively like oh, they've they've redirected all this like unstable magical energy, and then we're just gonna be like whoop and pull the pin out, and it's going like yeah. So you don't know what's gonna happen with that. That might cause some damage. Um, assuming the assuming the Donald would just like drops like abruptly back into Falcon there's a couple of possibilities either it because obviously there's no space there's not like an empty space in Balcona mm -hmm. where it's like oh forest used to be here mm -hmm. so either, there's a couple of possibilities either it's going to drop in and like displace whatever was there and it will return to its original place and everything will be like it once was or it's just literally going to drop on what's ever in the space that it used to occupy which is potentially obviously a problem mm -hmm. as Brock said as well you've then got the issue of this autumnal deciduous forest is going to be like dropped into like subarctic conditions. These trees, they're not coniferous trees. 
they're not really built to survive that sort of weather obviously none of the people here are like wearing cold weather gear it's not a thing that they're not really prepared to survive in like the freezing cold like winters of Valconan and even the summers of Valconan because they're to be honest they're pretty cold compared to here but um, yeah if it drops in there like how are the people going to survive they're going to have to like adapt very quickly are they going to have the resources and the ability and the know-how to do that because I say people here don't even really seem to know what winter is mm -hmm. so suddenly dropping them in and you say like, all right now you've all got to learn how to hunt in this strange new environment you've got to get winter clothes they, they would need a lot of like training very quickly to like minimize potential deaths there plus you've got the whole thing of a uh, you know from when you first came over to Balconan that many of the the colonists who came over that they got ill they got like flus and colds and stuff like that because they weren't used to the climate so you're gonna have that sort of problem potentially as well you know people getting sick because they're exposed to things they've not experienced here in the forest how is it going to affect the various animals and creatures and whatever that live in the forest because it's going to completely change like the environment mm -hmm. so that's a potential problem as well in, in so sorry go ahead no i just like i think like this is this is a good place to pull the plug because like weimar's just like listing these problems now <laughs> this is like yeah bad 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 so i think yeah, but basically none none of these problems are like insurmountable yeah yeah given enough time mm -hmm. but like so like if you if you could somehow manage it like let's say you were somehow able to be like oh yeah we're going to gradually phase like the dolmenwood back into Valconan over the space of like a few years people could adapt to it but if you're literally like whoop and it's just going to be dropped into it then people are either going to people in the environment are either going to have to adapt very quickly or they're going to be in trouble very quickly So, yeah, so Weimar's got this whole thing going on now where it's like, oh, well, we need the sword because there's problems. And if it's like a pin in this whole thing, um, he's developing this whole theory of maybe we get something. We, we do the uh, Indiana Jones trick of, we. <laughs> let's put the coin purse on the the artifact uh pedestal and um through the switcheroo as you're thinking that obviously the sun sword being very sort of like in tune mm -hmm. with you you know like you, your thoughts mm -hmm. are almost one at this point the sun sword says uh yes i suppose in your mind says yes i suppose mm -hmm. if you could uh if you could find something of almost equal power mm -hmm. to, to to the green blade and uh substitute it quick enough if i mean i i'm no expert at these things but if the if the enchantment could be powered by something else rather than the mm -hmm. green blade perhaps you might recover it and still preserve this place's current location mm -hmm. or perhaps if you found something a little less powerful it might slow its return yeah i was thinking it's this would be so much easier if I was a wizard, but I'm not. Um, something less than a green blade uh, that could erode over time, maybe. Yeah, so I, mean, I, a, I, I a, doubt a, a rope. That phrase 
a little bit over time and then snaps. Indeed. I mean, I doubt you'll find anything as powerful as the mm. green blade. I mean, besides myself and the uh, the night blade, obviously. Yes, that, that's well. not an option. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you could find something almost as powerful, I mean, I, I don't know what sort of enchanted <laughs> items they have they have in this place. I'm, I, I've not been here before. <laughs> I like to think that this is... This is Weimar's like the, the the scene fades as Weimar's like walking in between like puffs of green smoke. He's talking to himself in the street in two different voices <laughs> as he goes. Okay. Okay, so by the time all of this is finished and you've all done your sort of your various bits and pieces, it's sort of it's just gone midday. The, the moss dwarves are quite happily sort of like cracking on with their business you know a couple of them chat to you you can chat to them or not as you see fit they don't appear to be alarmed by your presence or disturbed by the fact that you're obviously outsiders here they're just getting on with their business like I say it reaches midday what do you guys want to do you all like reconvene if you wish I mean, is it worth putting that question to one of the elderly dwarf about replacing the the artifact? Would he know of such a a replacement or a item of great great enough power to replace it that may still leave the Dolman Wood where it is? Yeah, they don't seem to have any so knowledge, know, knowledge or, or understanding or, or interest even. Mm. Um, it feels like it's the Druun who have all the knowledge. Did, you, the did your elf visitor say in what kind of time frame they would expect it to be dropped back? She was, they weren't fully sure what would happen. They just believed that it would probably go back, but she wasn't sure, and there certainly wasn't any inclination how long it might take. Um, See, I feel they've got their own motives, and they don't really care about everyone else. I'll be honest, because they want the Winter Prince back, don't they? And I think everybody's got their own motive. Oh yeah, but they were telling you what they wanted, what you wanted to hear. I.e., if you take the sword, it'll all go back and that'll be great for everybody. Yeah, but our motive is obviously to take the sword. That's why we're here. What? What is the sword going to give us? What, I don't know. You lot have been looking for it for longer. <laughs> well, we don't um, really... What, what we believe is so there's three swords. Hmm. We believe that there's a a... In very simple terms, there's a good sword, there's a bad sword, yeah, and yeah. there's a medium sword. We yeah. have the good sword, and they have the bad sword, and we felt that if we had the medium sword, we would potentially have a better chance of surviving. Yeah, we're overpowering this this one agent, which apparently is being set up for something by this Blood King. So, so I mean, what, hap 
what happens if all three swords are in the same place at the same time? It's a very good question. Well, what happens when two of them are together? I mean, can you merge Another them? good question. <laughs> we, we don't yet know. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying the sun sword ain't powerful, but it, you know, it don't move woods and it don't, you know, kill hundreds of creatures in a single swing or, you know, it, it's not world changing, is it? But when you put two of them together, does it, you know... Well, the- but again, the, the green sword, the green blade is world changing, right? Because it's been used, you know? Uh, I, I think it's probably um, uh, a thing whereby uh, if you have, and I take a pistol, like if you have this, you can you can club people with it. And it, it works. It does the thing. But you put powder in it, suddenly things, things get a little bit more uh, intense. So I think maybe from... It's the combination you're saying. Yeah, the the story of like combining like this isn't, and I tap the the pommel, Like I think this is probably powder, or something else, and I think maybe the other swords are too. I mean, I don't know how likely this is, but what's our chances of getting the evil sword and replacing the green sword with the evil one? Can we overthrow the evil sword with the sun sword? So. Theoretical. Um, they've done something with the green sword, and now it's—I don't know what this is. Eternal summer, I suppose. Uh, eternal temperance <laughs> in, mm. in temperature. Um, we put the explicitly morally dubious implement of something that is not about temperature control. <laughs> um, and we, we put it in uh, instead of the green blade. I, I don't know what would happen. Um, no. uh, really, M- Malcolm, and, and, and I suppose everyone else as well, we were talking about finding someone with understanding of things mystical. And I think if we don't find someone and we go replacing swords with other swords, uh, we might be in some trouble uh, rather quick. Because mm. my understanding from speaking to the Moss Dwarfs, I don't know if it, I think it was the Moss Dwarfs before, was they had just basically transported the Dolmen Wood. There was no talk of the sword being used. It was just we moved it with whatever means, but they didn't actually go into the details of how they did it. So we were coming here to just get a, another useful weapon to fight the evil. But now it's changed somewhat. Um, yeah, it's all changed, isn't it? So do we need to have the conversation with the, the drone? That definitely feels like our next step. But they ain't going to like the conversation, are they? No. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have it. No, no, I'm not, not saying uh... that. <clears throat> they might not even want the conversation, is what I meant. They might not be willing to give us the information or know the information. But... And there's a few of them are floating, so if the first one doesn't engage, the second one might. <laughs> and I think as Malcolm says that, sort of Brock chuckles, that is where we're going to draw an end to the session for this evening, guys. Thank you very much for playing. I hope you all enjoyed it. Cool. Obviously, we'll sort out XP and whatever. 
So, but for now, I'm going to end the stream.